0: Love Talk Radio.
1: At that time, it's My Take Radio, episode 14. I'm your host, Rich, and I am broadcasting live from New York City today, Thursday, October 8 2009. Uh, tonight's intro music was Castlemania. The artist was Am I Evil? If you're interested in picking up the track, you can go to ocremix.org and you can pick it up for free. Uh, the call in number is 347 324 3541. To get involved in any of tonight's topics. Uh, first off, I would like to start the show off by saying that last week's show was a huge success. It seems that, um, you know, everybody was very, very happy uh, with last week's turnout. Uh, the guys from the Deadliest Warrior were overly, overly excited about last week's show. They definitely would like to be back. Um, nope. Hold on a second. It seems like... We are having sound problems. I don't know where the fuck they're coming from. Uh, Shit. Anyway, I might as well just run with it and see what happens. Anyway, nonetheless, uh, last week's show was a huge success. It seems that everyone was very, very, very satisfied. Uh, Jeff, as well as Max, uh, both appreciated the callers and listeners from last week. They also enjoyed... Um, the knowledge that everybody had about the show, as well as the fact that it was very casual. It wasn't, you know, a lot of bullshit-ass questions. But uh, we'll see what happens. Nonetheless, with that in mind, uh, let's get into this week's topic. Uh, first off, I took the opportunity to put up a post on the My Take Radio WordPress site. It's mytakeradio.wordpress.com. And it's going to go right into the MMA news seems that uh the post i made about gina carano appearing on espn's body feature this month was uh very popular for a variety of reasons one of them being i guess the the amount of people that enjoyed you know of course obviously looking at her because she was naked on the cover but the fact that you know they you know it's one of those things where you know my my uh Fuck, I'm just a blubbering idiot today. Anyway, it was just the fact that, you know, I said, does this help or hinder women's MMA as a whole and what it does to the sport in terms of bringing in new followers? Of course, one of the things is the fact that, obviously, she is considered the face of women's MMA, and people, you know, they gravitate towards, you know, someone who's so... fuck it, i just come out and say, you know, she's a hot chick, pretty much. And the fact is that she she's become the, the spokesperson, just not only for the sport, but just for women in MMA in general. And the problem with this that I see is that given her last few fight performances, I felt that she's been sidetracked. You know, I've said this before on other broadcasts. The fact is that she, you know, when she first started, there was there was a lot of passion. She was uh, how can I say it? She was motivated. She was going out there to prove that this wasn't a freak show. This wasn't an attraction. That we were, you know, we were watching real fights. You know, yeah, it was with girls, but they could fight just as well as the men could. And this slowly snowballed into a women's championship being created by strike force, which she fought Chris Cyborg Santos for. And, of course, she came out on the losing end. Now, Cyborg proved to be the more experienced and more well-rounded fighter, but a lot of people had their hopes of that Gina would win the belt and proceed to move the sport, the, the women's MMA sport, forward. Now, my thing is that she had an incredible amount of pressure on her shoulders based on the fact that she was the face of women's MMA. You know, it was she that was the title that was given to her, and she ran with the ball. And lover or hater, she you know she's promoted MMA as a whole. The problem that I feel is that she's lost sight of her training. I think she's just she doesn't have that hunger anymore. And Josh made a very valid point on his post on the website saying that you know she's all about she's a pretty face, and she figured that that is going to sell a lot easier than getting punched in the face and he used Danica Patrick as an example as not being focused on the sport and being focused now on making money through other ventures. Everyone can say that it's it's, it's different, you know, everyone has a different opinion on the whole thing. Nonetheless, for those of you that didn't get the opportunity to comment on the site, you can call in 347-324-3541 and check it out, and, of course, argue your points. You can also go and check out the cover real quick on the My Take Radio WordPress site. In the interim, I'm just going to move through some of the topics because given I got a lot of stuff that was left out of the show last week, so I'm going to jump around a little bit. Um, last week I had mentioned – well, no, the week prior I had mentioned that T. Ortiz was going to be fighting Mark Coleman. It seems Mark Coleman injured his MCL and is officially out of the next UFC event, which is 106, in November, and it's going to be November 21st. He is officially out. And from what I gathered, I believe it was on Twitter, that he is being replaced by Forrest Griffin, so we will get Tito Forrest too. I personally would have liked to have seen him get a rematch with Rashad Evans, just because, you know, Rashad was supposed to fight Rampage, and... That fight obviously fell through with Rampage going to the A-Team, you know, to do the A-Team movie. But Rashad also didn't really impress me in his, you know, draw between him and Tito. You know, it was a lot of canceling out. Tito was stepping his game up. And it was one of those things where a lot can be said about the outcome of that fight. And I would have personally have liked to have seen him and Rashad just get it on for the simple fact that those two guys, they match up well. They're they're good at shit talking. Um, they got great ground and pound. Uh, Rashad stand up. You know, even though his hand movements anger me, just because they look so stupid, it's one of those things where, you know, his hand his hands his hand movement is good. And Rashad needs another fight that'll help him step back into the main event scene with, without the tarnish of the ass whooping that Leonardo Machida gave him. So, you know, it's gonna be one of those things where. This fight can go either way. I can't even pick it because Forrest was coming off, you know, a, a a bad night against Anderson Silva and of course, you know, Tito's coming back from the long layoff. Either way, we're gonna be we're gonna have a good fight overall. I think the card is solid. You know, you got Brock Lesnar and Carwin for the heavyweight title. You got Tito and Forrest. Luis Kane is fighting Antonio Rigari on the guerra as far as Whether that's fully confirmed or not, I'll have to find out. Uh, Phil Baroni's going to be making his return to the UFC on that card against Amir Sadala. Uh, Marcus Davis is fighting. It it should be an overall great card. Of course, with Tito coming back and a couple of other fighters that were picked up, the UFC had to take the opportunity and cut a couple of guys. So Hermes Franca got the boot. Marcus Aurelio got the boot. Chris Wilson and Justin McCully all were released by the company recently. Uh, Hermes Franca was actually a fighter that I enjoyed watching, given his uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And you know his Brazilian jiu-jitsu was tight. The only thing that's very disturbing to me is the fact that you know the steroid allegations fucked him up, and it didn't. It didn't bode well for him. Uh, Chris Wilson and Justin McCulley, Those guys, all their records were. You know, Marcus Aurelio, he was two and four in the UFC. Wilson was one and three. And McCully went 2 and 2 while in the company. So, you know, that's the shit that happened. Um, nonetheless, while unfortunate, I'm, I'm more than sure these guys will make their way into Strike Force. And uh, speaking of Strike Force, Dana White took the opportunity to shit on Strike Force for the signing of Herschel Walker. And he called it a stupid move. And he was wondering why the Athletic Commission would even approve him to fight. You know, no disrespect, Herschel Walker is. is you know, he's up there, I believe he's 47 years old. And while he is a fantastic football player, at the end of the day, it's one of those things where, you know, he could, have done, he could have done so much more in his career in terms of fighting if he would have just started a little while earlier. You know, a lot of people want to jump on that, on the, well, you know, Randy Couture went out there and he did his thing, and that's fine. You know, you can say that about Randy, and that's I have no issue with that. But the issue with me is the fact that at 47 years old, you're having that moment of clarity that you want to go and fight now. You know, what, what if you go out there, for argument's sake, you know, God forbid, and Hershey Walker gets murdered right now? What if he gets, what if he gets just his ass head to him? Nonetheless, you know, I'm very concerned about Herschel Walker being sanctioned to fight. Yeah, he knows multiple disciplines and he has a lot to prove. But at 47 years old, it's like your bones can't take the same amount of abuse. It's, it's, uh, it's unfortunate. But I'm not going to shit on it completely because he can just as easily come in there and administer an ass whooping of every proportions. But we'll wait and see. Uh, UFC 105 is going to be free on Spike TV on November 14th. Uh, those of you that haven't had a chance to be uh, acclimated or be introduced to the MMA sport, that this is a great time to uh, in, be introduced to it just because Randy Couture is gonna be on the card. He's a legend, he's fighting Brandon Vera, uh, Dan Hardy, he's from the UK. He'll be fighting uh, Mike Swix. This thing is also on the card. He's fighting Dennis Kang. Matt Brown and Ultimate Fighter winner James Wilkes will also be on the card. I think that overall it's great that they're showcasing the oh, shit. They're showcasing the um British fighters, especially you know, obviously because it's in Manchester, England. But I'm more than sure that they will get cheered feverishly. And, it'll you know, it'll help the UFC presence in Europe as a whole. So I'm all for it, especially the fact that it's on free TV. I'm all about that free TV. And, um, shit, I am just bombing right now just because I don't know what this audio sounds like and everybody's telling me it sounds like shit. So I apologize. I wanted to give props to Chuck Liddell besides being on Dancing with the Stars and trying to do his thing, he's also going to be one of the voices appearing on The Simpsons. I believe it's this Sunday night. Uh, the episode is going to be called The Great Wife Hope, and it seems that uh, everyone in Springfield becomes obsessed with mixed martial arts, and Marge and some friends organize a protest. The MMA show promoter gets wind of Marge's protest and challenges her to a match and agrees to shut down the show if Marge wins. I'm more than sure it's going to be a very interesting episode. I'm one of those people that watch The Simpsons in the early days, but nowadays I don't watch it as much just because, you know, The Simpsons is one of those shows that it's been on for so long that even though you can jump back in and enjoy it utterly, I personally just, I, I don't have the time. And just the allure of Fox programming, it's not what it used to be. I mean, I love Family Guy. I love The Simpsons, but it's not something I see myself watching on a Sunday. Overall, I'd probably end up watching I Head Chef more, a lot faster than I'd watch The Simpsons. Um, nonetheless, MMA is just bo- booming and becoming more mainstream that you're going to start seeing more things like this. You know, Chuck on Dancing with the Stars is a step in the right direction. Uh, of course, Chuck on The Simpsons. Um, speaking of The Simpsons, I have a real disturbing uh, Simpsons story that I'll share with you guys later in the broadcast. But in order to get through this MMA stuff. I gotta just run through it. Judy Browning recently got arrested and, of course, his contract with the UFC was terminated. It seems the Las Vegas Review reported on Tuesday that Browning was taken to St. Rose Dominican Hospital after ingesting 16 anti-anxiety pills. Browning was then arrested after he assaulted three of the nurses there. The police reported that Browning pushed a female nurse, punched a male nurse, and kicked a male nurse in an attempt to leave the hospital. Browning, when, when confronted by security, yelled, do you know who I am? I will kill you and rape your family. Browning was arrested on three counts of battery upon a health care provider and was booked on Tuesday and then released on Wednesday. Uh, Dana White, of course, was interviewed and he commented on the situation as follows. He said he was very disappointed. He goes, I haven't heard anything regarding June where he acted up or has been bad in a long time. You could tell on the show he had issues. I saw fighting as an opportunity for the kid to turn his life around and make something of himself. Physically, he's very gifted. He's good at everything. Stand up. He has great ground. He has an unbelievably good chin. He was given an amazing opportunity, but he has some serious issues that are beyond me and what I can do. I'm there for guys, and I realize nobody is perfect, and guys are going to get into trouble. When that happens, I want to try and help and do something for them. But he needs more help than I can give him. I did what I could for him. Uh, the reporter from Yahoo Sports also asked Dana if he, if the UFC was willing to set up care for Browning, to which Dana White responded, clear as day, no. And it looks like we got our first caller. You're on the air. Who's this? You. Who? Yeah, you're on the air.
2: Hello, this is Hyena.
1: Hey, man, what's going on, dude?
2: Nothing much, man, just listening to the show. Jump in. Even an excuse to the dance community why I shouldn't come out tonight.
1: There you go. What do you got tonight, man?
2: Um, uh, nothing much. I'm just listening to the MMA. I mean, uh, I'm just waiting for the game section for me to jump in. You know how it is.
1: You got it, brother. Alright, well I am just gonna then just ask you to call back and you can hop right on the game news because there's definitely gonna be a lot to cover. Sound cool? All right. Cool. Alright, thanks. Alright. Um of course last week i wanted to talk about the um kimbo slice fight and of course Kimbo long was on the losing end against big country nelson and it was one of the highest um it was one of the highest ultimate fighter episodes in a long time but one of the things that's starting to kind of show is especially with the rating uh the first week uh you had a 2.9 rating which was a record for spike tv for the ultimate fighter week two Scored a 2.2. It was the second highest-rated episode. Of course, that week three was Kimbo versus Big Country. 3.7 was the high was the number. And week four it dropped down to a 2.2. It seems that, of course, you know the um, the, not the luster, but just the fact that Kimbo Slice it, it has the possibility of not fighting again just because he lost. It's you know it's one of those things where i, I got to be honest with you, Kimbo is is bringing in viewers. I mean, there's, you know, you got the people that are casual fans that only know of Kimbo's life through YouTube. you got the people that jumped on the Elite XC bandwagon, and before you know it, boom, they know about Kimbo's life. Of course, the Elite XC didn't do him any justice because of what happened with Seth Petruzzelli, but at the end of the day, you know, Kimbo still showed that he was, Uh, great athlete and he put on a great performance this week's episode of the ultimate fighter there was more of the same there was also a lot of teasing of dissension with Matt Mitrione and uh, some of the other guys on Rashad's team Um, I'm going to touch a little bit more on that next week just because I didn't watch the episode in its entirety but I'm going to also take the opportunity to say that they are setting up the possibility of Kimbo Slice fighting once again on this season's show which I'm more than sure that's going to get some more viewers for sure. Looks like we got another call. Let's see who it is. You're on the air. Who's this?
0: Hey, Rich. It's Josh. How's it going, buddy?
1: Hey, Josh. What's going on?
0: I just want to say, you know, great show last week. Um, your interview was excellent with those two guys from uh Deadliest warrior, and it was just a great show.
1: Thank you very much, man. I appreciate it.
0: I think it's timely that you brought up Kimbo because, you know, I, I posted earlier today about my thoughts about Carano and how I think she's sort of like, um, you know, she's a hot chick who, who's got some talent, who's going to, you know, make something out of her because of her looks and not necessarily her talent. She's reached a you know, level of fame, uh, not only in MMA, but just, you know, around people are talking about her. And it's very similar, if you think about it, to Kimbo's uh, fame. and But they're in totally different uh cancer because she's obviously a female and he's a male. And I was just wondering uh, if you can give me your take on
1: that. Well, the way I see it is Kimbo Slice was one of those guys that the, you know, YouTube definitely helped him out a great deal. But amongst everything else, you know, he, uh, he came in and he just let the YouTube videos speak for him. He didn't go out there and overly promote himself. He didn't go out there. Gina Carano came in with, you know, ample fanfare. He was pushing something that the UFC didn't have, you know, in terms of women women MMA. And the fact is that Gina Carano was a fighter that was in the right place at the right time and had the right look that could be marketed by an organization. Kimbo, you look at him, you know, he's not the most marketable dude. You know, you actually look at Kimbo Slice and say, this guy would beat my ass. That's all you see. You see that yeah, right he, off the bat. There's no, there's no uh, marketability to Kimbo's life well, until people saw he's him. Got
0: the, he's got the Mike Tyson type of thing going for him. This guy who's just supposedly brutal and devastating, and you know he's going to come in and he's just going to tear shit up. And it just didn't happen because I, I personally don't think he's skilled enough to compete with these guys who've been doing it all their lives in a you know, serious training. I mean, that's not the type of guy he is. Um, I mean, as a whole,
1: well, no, I mean, you you make a valid point. There's that everyone's always going to look for the the Mike Tyson um, mystique. The only problem with that is that, much like Mike Tyson, you know, it's marketing. And all it takes is a skilled fighter to expose him. You know, it happened to Mike Tyson. It happened to Kimbo Slice. The only thing is that Kimbo Slice is a more grounded individual. You know, Mike Tyson had custom auto kind of guiding him along. Kimbo Slice is self-promoting. You know, he's a, a very good businessman. You know, Dana White talked about how Kimbo came into the UFC, and, you know, he just went in there, and, he, and Dana White even said, you know, I thought this guy was going to be an asshole and give me shit for talking shit about him. But he came in, and he said, let's get down to business. You know, I definitely learned to appreciate Kimbo Slice just because of how he presented himself on The Ultimate Fighter. Of course, it's the, the beauty of editing, that makes it, um, you know, that makes him more human. But the fact is that he's just a guy who's, you know, he's kind of up in the years, he's a family man, and he's realizing that, hey, this is my shot to do something, to do something big, you know. it's, It's that motivation that's driving him, not just because he's good at what he does and he likes to fight, but because, you know, this is what he's known for, so why not parlay it into something that'll make money, which leads me to... Exactly,
2: but you'll, you'll
0: agree that neither one of these two will ever be great, great fighters in that sport, like top-level fighters.
1: Well, you know what it is? I can, I can say this. If we're discussing you know, Kimbo Slice right now, I can definitely say off the bat that he's going to need somebody to lock him in a dojo for at least a year and a half to tighten up his ground game. Because his ground game is atrocious. Roy Nelson pretty much laid on him for the duration of a fight. You know, his gut was just on his face. And, you know, Rampage made a funny quote in the sense that he's like, you got a planet laying on you. You can't move a damn planet. But Kimbo Slice is a big dude. You know, he's, he's a physically imposing guy. So the fact that he couldn't move him to, to defend himself wasn't about Roy Nelson being a fat tub of shit. It was about... Roy Nelson just knowing how to manipulate his weaknesses. Kimbo actually, as big of a guy as he is, he could have moved Roy Nelson. I'm fucking five six. I can move three hundred pounds, four hundred pounds. You know, if, if I need to for whatever reason. You know, it's just the fact that the technique wasn't there for him to step his game up. That's what I. I think.
0: Know, but that's exactly my point. I, I don't think that he's ever. I don't think he's ever, especially at his age, going to be a top guy. He's not going to be like the Tiger Woods of MMA that uh, Carano's not going to be, you know, at best, maybe she'll be Danica Patrick. You know what I mean? Like, that's just what she is, and that that's fine. She's going to make a lot of money off her looks. That Kimbo's going to make a lot of money off of his name, his same from YouTube and all that kind of stuff, and that's what they are, and I think we just have to accept them if that's the level they're going to be. You know, I think we always want, you know, we always want stars. We always want comebacks, and we always want the underdog to win and come out on top and be this great, you know, amazing story, but... I think with both of these fighters, it just ain't going to happen.
1: Well, I think in Kimbo's case, what's going to happen is, and, you know, this is just, again, me speculating, you know, me being armchair quarterback. They're going to look at Kimbo's life, and they're going to say, okay, here's a guy just like Brock Lesnar, just like, you know, put it like this just like Brock Lesnar, here's a guy that is the antithesis of what Brock Lesnar is. Brock Lesnar's big powerful, uh, well, well-rounded as far as I can tell in terms of ground game. His stand-up is improving. His jiu-jitsu defense, we haven't seen it. It hasn't been tested. And, of course, you know, he's just the bad guy. By presenting Kimball's Slice the way he's being presented, it, it, it's a two-pronged approach. You're showing a guy that he's, he's the – not to say he's a lovable loser, but he's a guy that, you know, the average Joe can relate to. Because it's like me – Right now, I'm 29 years old, you know, I'm working a desk job, and at the end of the day, I'm looking for that, for that brass ring, for that golden ticket. And sometimes it involves going into a dojo and getting, your, getting some blood on your knuckles and getting good at your craft and seeing where it takes you. Other times, it's just an opportunity presents itself and you go for it. That's what they're doing. They're, they're putting Kimbo's life out there, not as a guy that you're supposed to root for, but he's the guy that every man can relate to. You know, just the regular guy, you know, the hustlers that are just trying to find that opportunity, that that golden opportunity. He took his, you know, as crude as it was, you know, with, with street fighting, and look at him now. He's being watched by millions of viewers across the country.
0: Oh, no, I mean, I totally agree with you with that. I think he's going to make a lot of money. I think Carano's going to make a lot of money doing similar stuff, using their fame, and their stories and all that kind of stuff, but in the in the end, you know, I think what a lot of people want um, in both of these cases is to see uh, the advancement and see people who are better than the people that are currently there. You know what I mean? Of in course, of they want to see uh, the passing of a torch, champ, and kick the crap out of everybody. They want to see Kimbo knock everybody out in three seconds? But I just don't. I don't see it happening with either fighter. I don't think either is a great fighter, um, but I think they're both going to make a lot of money and they're both going to be sort of like you know, maybe one step up from Selfish.
1: Well, you know, look at it, looking at it on, on, you know, just from the outsider point of view, you look at Kimbo Slice, just just you as a, as a casual fan, do you think that he's marketable? Just oh, without, without, and based on that, do you think that the UFC is going to be smart in marketing him and not give him tomato cans because he's going to be obvious? But like they're going to give him guys who are going to, you know, definitely be, that are going to want to trade with him. You know, that's how they're going to market Kimbo. They're not going to go the opposite of what an Elite XC did and just throw fucking cancer patients at him. You know, they're, they're going to throw guys that aren't shitty, but guys that are definitely, you know, mid-level.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, and, and he'll, he'll probably do well against some of them, but he's, he's never going to be uh, champ. He's never going to be... You know, he's never going to be the top cop guy in the business. He just, he doesn't have the skills, he doesn't have the ability. But he'll make a lot of money. He'll probably make more money
1: than most of the champions. Yeah, that he name. will. And you know what? He will more sell pay per you know? He's going to sell pay-per-views just because, you know, like a perfect example. You've got a guy like Chuck Liddell. Uh, great stand-up, knockout power. And, you know, him and Kimbo, he's, he's talked a lot of shit about Kimbo. Boom, you've got one pay-per-view quality fight right there. You know, you got a lot of guys that are already professionals that have a low opinion of Kimbo, regardless of the ultimate fighter. And Dana White, being the good businessman that he is, he's going to be like, okay, let's put him against this guy, this guy, and this guy. I'm more than sure he hasn't mapped out in his head how he wants to promote him. In Gina Carano's case, what, she was uh, not a Pandora's box, but they got both sides of the, uh, of the coin. They got A very marketable personality, easy on the eyes, you know, comes from a great background, has Muay Thai capability, has knockout power, and they just thrust her into the spotlight because she was the one that seemed marketable enough. If you watch all of her earlier fights, all of her earlier televised fights, you'll see that she was matched up with girls that, you know, they looked smaller in stature than her. But they had good skill. But I didn't think they had enough skill to stand with her because there were always height discrepancies, weight discrepancies, things of that nature. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, they, they, they you know, Elite XC, I think that was one of their downfalls, just the way they, they push certain fights. And Gina Corrado, while, you know, the, the fight with Cyborg definitely put a stop in her career, I honestly think that she can really help the sport move forward if she just focused on one thing at a time. But like you said, you know, quoting your post on the website this afternoon, you know, she realized I can make more money, you know, doing, you know, photo shoots and voiceovers and appearing in video games than getting punched in the face. And it's far less painful. You know, The Rock did the same thing. You know, I can hate on all these guys and, and I can hate on, you know, guys and girls. But the fact is when you get famous for whatever reason, you're looking for another reason to extend your longevity without injuring or hurting yourself. Actors do it by doing TV and Broadway. You know, athletes go from reality TV, Dancing with the Stars, and fighters, you know, they, they either do movies or they, they teach or they do um, commentary. It's, it's just like you said, they're looking for the out, so they don't have to fight for too long. The problem is that Gina's looking for the out way too early in the game.
0: I don't know if it's too early for her, to be honest with you. She's, she's got uh, notoriety. And she really just could coast now, you know what I mean? I mean, let's say she suffers another really bad loss. uh, It's not going to help her. But you know what? If she takes time off and does, you know, speaking engagements and does other things where she can make a lot of money, I know she's going to be in a movie or something like that and do some video games and that kind of stuff, like you said, um, you know, she'll she'll make a lot more money than she would fighting. Plus, it'll last a lot longer, like you said.
1: Oh, yeah, her longevity will last. But, see, my, like I said, that's why when we were discussing it earlier and just in, in, in general that I've discussed it with people, I said that, you know, my argument in terms of the sport, see, I look at it, in fact, of growing the sport because I'm a fan and the sport's always been looked at poorly. And, you know, on one, on one coin, you know, it helps her, which is fantastic because I'd like to see people make that money. There's no shame in, in, in her game in wanting to make money. The problem is that when, and I blame actually the organization for doing this, when you give somebody the title of the face of, of a sport, it's that person's job and responsibility to push the sport forward, whether it's, you know, fighting, um, holding championships, you know, things of that nature. You, you, me personally, I want to see her help grow women's, women's MMA, just for the fact that I know that, like you said, a lot of people still look at it You know, as just all, you know, it's just a bunch of girls slapping each other around, which of course is going to be the case. But a lot of people, and there's there's a couple of people I can name that are in the forum have seen her fight, and they're like, you know, holy shit, you know, this chick, put it like this, if she hits me the right way, she could probably knock my ass out, too. You know, the fact of the matter is. I
0: I know, but you know what? You're you're in a situation where there's very few sports, female sports, that are successful. Uh, I mean, the only ones are you know, t- off the top of my head are tennis, beach volleyball, and then, you know, sort of the Olympic sports, like swimming and diving and that kind of crap. But, I mean, look at, like I said my post. look at the WNBA. It's been, what, 10 years now? I mean, that's that's completely unsuccessful. I mean, no one goes to those games. It's
1: ridiculous. Yeah, but that's because that shit is marketed I mean, like, by that shit's marketed by TV Wonder. You know, they're blind when it comes to shit like that. The fact of the matter is, you know, they don't, Here's the reason why shit like that doesn't explode. It's poor marketing. It's you know not finding the right sponsor sh- sponsorship. You know it's like you're gonna the WNBA is gonna be sponsored by Playtex, you know, or or, or just awful it's shit boring. like that. Massing you know they're, they're gonna go and they're gonna go the safe route and make it you know make the WNBA be sponsored by by gr- you know by girls' products and they're not gonna they're not gonna give it that air of seriousness that they should which is, you know, one of the things that annoyed me watching, you know, the women's MMA fights, they came out, and they were like, the following is a, women is a special attraction fight, as opposed to, yo, this is a fight. This is the next fight on the card. They're like, this is an attraction. So right there, you get the preconceived notion, oh, this is a fucking freak show. This is my piss break, you know? And, and that's the problem with just motivating and pushing the sport forward, you know?
0: Yeah, but it's not a sport that's ever going to catch on in the U.S. No. Anything it's women full contact like that, boxing, whether it's boxing or MMA, women, is, it's just not going to be popular. It's no, going to be like, like that no, certain is, sort of that's free in Japan.
1: show. Yeah, that's in Japan. Here, all that shit's going to be, you know, it's all going to be viewed differently, but that's just because we as the general public are fucking, you know, if, if it's not tits, like, put it like this, if it was fucking booby slap fighting, she'd be the most oh, popular. Oh, yeah, home world. run. You know, or, you know, bikini bikini football, shit like that. Of course, you know, this is serious stuff. But, you know, when it's, you know, chicks beating the shit out of each other and blood is actually being shed, not so many people respond well, because I know uh, a couple of girls who've seen the fights just on, you know, just because they want to they wanna know, and they'll come back and they're like, oh my God, you know, they beat the hell out of each other. Look at that girl's face. Look at that girl's eye. Look at that girl's mouth, you know? And it's just like, they don't look at it like, they look at football or other contact sports or boxing, they look at it like, wow, no girl should get meat in the face like that, you know? Of very, course. very bad shit.
0: No, I understand. I just I don't think that sport's ever gonna catch on. It's it's just you would need you would need a lot of great fighters at once.
2: And
1: that's the I problem. That's why I, I would not you know oh, it would be tough. I don't wanna I don't want to cut you off with that. um what I was gonna say was See, this is where a guy like Dana White is fitting to grow this. Because I've always said, why not do an Ultimate Fighter with women fighters? I mean, don't get me wrong. From a reality TV aspect, it would be fantastic. From, you know, for that, you know, you got 16 women in a house with no access to nothing that have to fight each other. That writes itself. But on top of that, you, that's one, one of the great things about the Ultimate Fighter. They, they uh, you know, they they brought in new talent, they introduced the world to new fighters. I think that in all honesty, women's MMA can only move forward if it's somehow tied into the UFC. Just like the UFC made the lighter weight division you know, exciting with the WEC, I think that they got to take that same approach with women's MMA and they should definitely do a one or two fights at a time, and like I said, maybe do an ultimate fighter, and boom, there you go. There's your new crop of stars, but the problem is that the marketing is just so shitty. It's always about the marketing and how much promotion you throw behind it. And I think that the only way that that sport, you know, that aspect of the sport to succeed is if it's under a UFC umbrella because they know how to fucking promote.
0: Yeah, I mean, I agree with you that a female Ultimate Fighter would be successful uh, from a financial standpoint. But, I mean,
1: and you, you viewers, have to be able man. at
0: the end of that show to name me two fighters that, uh, you know, that you'd pay $50 to see in a pay-per-view.
1: Exactly. But the only way we're going to know that is because of that. Because you know what it is? You, like, right now, September 7th, Strike Force is going to have Fedor versus Brett Rogers. It's going to be on free TV on CBS. They wanted to get uh, Cyborg to defend her title against whoever. But the problem is Cyborg has some undisclosed injury. God knows what it is. And I'm more than sure that then they have to go and find women's, women's fighters, you know, that are, that, are, that are, you know, a threat. And right now, that's the problem. You don't know. You don't know who's out there that's really good because it's not being pushed to the point where you can, you know, where you can say, well, you can name five fighters off the top of your head. You tell me, name five UFC fighters. I'll go, you know, George St. Pierre, Brock Lesnar, Randy Couture, Chuck Liddell, BJ Penn. Name me five women's fighters. Uh, Cyborg, Gina Carrado, and maybe, I don't know, Julie Kedzie, because I know her because she fought Gina Carano. You know, you can't do that at the drop of a hat, and that's the problem that's hindering the sport, you know?
0: Yeah, there's no stars, but will you ever have stars? That's the question.
1: The only way that's going to work, man, the only way we'll see stars is, like I said, the UFC definitely has to try and and grab a hold of that.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, Rich, well, thanks. I'm going to listen to the rest of the show.
1: All right, brother. Thanks a lot for calling in. I appreciated it.
0: Yeah, no problem. Good show, man. Good show.
1: Thank you, sir. All right. With that out of the way... You know, definitely Josh brings up some valid points. I just want to close out the MMA segment by saying that the only way that the sport will continue to move forward, and this is just me, you know, kind of standing on the soapbox, is if people support it in all shapes and forms, whether it's, you know, just word of mouth. Um, I'd, I'd say buying the clothing, but see, here's the thing with buying the clothing. If you're going to buy the clothing, and this is also a disclaimer, if you're gonna buy the clothing and become a fucking douche, do not buy the fucking clothing. It's that simple. If you're gonna go and buy a tap-out shirt to support the sport, to support this, uh to support the sport, then please carry yourself appropriately. Don't throw on the shirt and all of a sudden think that you can fight ten guys at once because somebody's gonna come and test you by punching you squarely in your face. It's that simple. Same thing with Affliction. You know, I buy Affliction stuff, oh, A, because I like the shirts. I really do. They got cool designs. B, when they started putting out shirts for the UFC, I bought a Chuck Liddell shirt. I bought a Randy Couture shirt. I bought a, a Rampage shirt, a Sean Shirt shirt. For the simple fact that I, I wanted to support the, fighter, the fighters. But you know what happened? A lot of times I'd wear the shirts, and I still wear them. I don't give a fuck because I'm mm-hmm. humble with you know, my surroundings, and you definitely see motherfuckers, they look at you a little differently, you know, they kind of, you know, they kind of, they kind of react to you a little differently, and I've never said it, and I'll say it now, I am not a professional fighter, I don't study MMA, I don't, I studied martial arts when I was younger, yes, I go to the gym, yes, am I a meathead, no, am I a douchebag, depends. If you're, if you're a douche to me, I'm going to definitely be a piece of shit to you. It's that simple. I think that, you know, buy the pay-per-views, buy the DVDs, and, so, you know, help the sport grow. Otherwise, it's going to continue to be considered a freak show. And people are just going to be like, oh, you know, it's, it's uh, glorified, and I'm not sure people are going to laugh. It's glorified cockfighting. You know, it's, it's two people thrown in the cage. But you know what? To quote something that I saw in Forrest Griffin's sport in a Forrest Griffin's book recently that I've been reading, it's the fact that everything begins and ends with fights. So people can complain, you know, that, oh, you know, it's bullshit. But let's look at it this way. Boxing and MMA are contact sports, okay? Hockey is a contact sport. But when there's an issue in hockey that needs to be settled, how is it settled? They take off their gloves, and they punch each other in the face. Baseball, you hit a guy in the head with a ball. You clip somebody. You say something. How is it, how is it solved? With fights. Same thing, basketball. Any way you look at it, it all comes back to fighting. So why is it that people look at MMA with such disdain? I have no idea, because at the end of the day, it all comes back to fights. You know, people fight for religion with weapons and with hands. It, you know, it, I can go on and on and on and on and on preaching about it, but it's just, it's ridiculous you know, that the sport continues to be looked at in such a negative light. But I'm just going to get off my soapbox. I'll, I'll probably post a little something to continue on the blog. And uh, let's move into the wrestling news, which quite honestly, is not that much. And I'll tell you why. A lot of people have been emailing me you know, hey why would a uh, Why would people say, you know, why don't you give wrestling, you know, more time and whatnot? And I'm going to answer that real fast. The only reason I don't give wrestling a lot of love recently as a wrestling fan is for three reasons. A, WWE storylines suck. The Raw guest host thing, hit and miss. Every time I turn it on, it's the same three guys with the belt. It's either Triple H, John Cena, or Randy Orton. Once in a while, I throw a curveball in there. You know, CM Punk had the belt. Now the Undertaker has the belt. It's like, you know, I can't give it that kind of love just because, you know, it, it, it's it's not being written appropriately. Then, of course, I want to definitely give some props to PNA Wrestling. PNA Wrestling is on Spike TV, and it's definitely a great alternative to WWE programming. Uh, if you want to check it out, uh, I would recommend anybody who's in the chat or just. Uh, listening to the show, punch in, go to YouTube and punch in Canadian Destroyer. And that's a move that's used in TNA wrestling. It is a move out of a fucking video game. And these guys do it on a consistent basis. Go and look at the Six Sides of Steel with Triple X versus America's Most Wanted. And then get back to me about good wrestling. WWE right now, not that good. To the point where, let's get into some of this week's stuff. Uh, Hell in a Cell, I'm, I could recap it, but I'll tell you this. Randy Orton won the belt. The Undertaker won the belt. Moving on. Uh, ben Roethlisberger hosted well this week. Uh, I could say that his hosting duties were good, bad, or they were middle of the road. Let's put it that way. So next week, we get to have Nancy O'Dell and Maria Menounos from Access Hollywood hosting law. I'm not going to say it's going to be shit, but I'm not going to say it's, you know, it's going to be great. You know, it's, I don't know. But i got to definitely help promote TNA. Uh, if you have a chance to tune into Spike TV and you're not listening to the show, definitely check out Global Impact, which is uh, some footage from TNA going to Japan and uh, having some great fights with uh, the main event mafia and the New Japan main event, uh, the IWGP Tag Team Champions, uh, Team 3D, uh, also the Motor City Machine are in action. Definitely a chance to look at wrestling differently. So if you get a chance, definitely check it out. Uh, Global Impact, I believe, is on tonight, and probably they'll replay it throughout the weekend. And TNA Impact is going to be three hours next week at uh, 9 p.m. on Spike TV. So once again, if you want to try and check something out that's a little different from regular WWE programming, definitely give TNA a shot. Like I said, just look at the Canadian Destroyer and look up X versus um, America's Most Wanted. It's one of those things that, and they were fighting in a uh, six-sided cage. All I got to say is somebody gets thrown off the top of a cage with a flying head scissors. That's just insane. So definitely check it out. You know, help support TNA Wrestling. because They're trying to get their name out there. And you know what? I want to see them succeed so that WWE doesn't have the same fucking four guys hold the belt every week. That's it. It's one of those things that's just ridiculous. You know? It's fucking insane. But uh, I'm going to just wrap out uh, fucking wrestling news because I'm just disgusted with wrestling as a whole. But uh, nonetheless, let's get into some video games this week. A uh, lot of crazy shit. Um, I want to take the opportunity and plug Slick's review of Arkham Asylum. Slick, other than being uh, the moderator for the MySpace video game forum, is also a new correspondent for My Radio. He will be providing reviews on an ongoing basis. His first review, which proved to be very popular, one of the most viewed articles on the site, second to, of course, Gina Carano, and that's because Booby cell, is... Um, his review of Arkham Asylum, which was very detailed and just very well written. And on top of the fact, it was uh, a very accurate, accurate description of the game as a whole. And, uh, you know, you can uh, check out his review on mytakeradio.wordpress.com. I believe he is working on a review for Infamous. That should be up either tonight or tomorrow. So definitely feel free to check it out and comment on it. I'm more than sure to put a smile on the Choco Bear's face. Nonetheless, let's go into the rest of the video game news. Uh, First off, it seems that uh, Microsoft let the cat out of the bag by telling uh, one of the guys at Kotaku that they're working on the ability to capture video um, on the Xbox. It was later, you know, kind of uh, not confirmed nor denied that it's something that will be coming out within the future. But, you know, they let the cat out of the bag so I'm more than sure within the next year we're going to be able to do video capture on the Xbox. So we'll see what's going on with that. Uh, The PSP Go, of course, came out earlier this week, and I have been on the fence about picking it up just because I had a PSP, and I really didn't give two shits about it, and I sold it. And, you know, before I go into any further video game news, I want to take the opportunity to, you know, bring to light something that a lot of people have been complaining about, and that is the price tag of the PSP Go. People are saying that, you know, it's $50 cheaper than the Xbox 360, I mean than a uh, PlayStation 3, it's a lot more expensive than the PSP that's currently out. It's more expensive than the DS, but what people aren't realizing is that the PSP Go is being marketed for the more quote-unquote advanced gamer, number one. If you obviously own a PSP, there's no need for you to get a PSP Go, but What nobody's been really acknowledging is the fact that this is not Sony's strategy to compete against the DS. No, no, no. This is Sony's strategy to compete against the iPod. And, you know, the iPod Touch, and for uh, all intents and purposes, even the iPhone. Steve Jobs said himself that the iPod Touch, he wants to gear it towards gamers, given the amount of popularity that the games have on the iTunes store. Sony took the opportunity and said, look, for fifty bucks more than you pay for an iPod touch, you're gonna to be able to get music, movies, and great games from franchises you know and love. A lot of people were sitting there and they're like, yo, this is fucking bullshit. And I don't get me wrong, I was one of the ones that complained about that, you know, about that price point. But when I realized that Sony's approach was to compete against the iPod touch, which it is, I realized, you know, these motherfuckers are onto something because you can play PlayStation 1 games, you can do remote play with your PS3, you can watch movies, listen to music, you can even tether it to your phone to use the wireless connection to download stuff. Once again, I'm not going to tell people to go and sell their existing PSP to get a PSP Go, but what, was end- what ended up being said is that it's that it's more of a competitor for things like the iPod Touch. And you know, things that I, I definitely would say that it's a competitor for the iPod Touch because there's gonna be PSP Go apps. There's gonna be PSP Go minigames games that are going to start at a price, you know um, they can start as low as a dollar, but they have to be less than ten dollars. Those are all things that you can tell are being put out to compete with the um with the iPod Touch. It's not meant to compete with the DS. The regular PSP is going to compete with the DS because they're priced similar. And, you know, if you've got UMD games, get a PSP. If you want to try something different and, you know, of course, carry around another fucking gadget, pick up the PSP Go. I'm tired of, P- of reading, you know, people, you know, complaining about the price. But when you look at the bigger picture, you'll see that that's really the competition. You know, go online and look up, you know, PSP Go Minis and read an article about that. I don't have it here because it was very detailed, but that was one of the mandatory rules for PSP Go games, that they, you know, especially the PSP Minis. They are going to be, they're supposed to be less than 10 bucks. Of course, I'm reading the chat and people are just uh, shitting on the PSP Go. And once again, I truly understand, but it's not being marketed for existing PSP owners. It's being marketed for people that are on the fence about picking up an an iPod, you know, an iPod touch. Same thing with the PS3. The PS3, while it is a video game system, is being marketed that you can surf the internet on it. You can do PlayStation Home. You can watch blu rays You can watch DVDs, look at pictures, play music. It's the same shit, just in a smaller package. That's how it's being marketed. You know, people are gonna definitely sit down And, you know, they may challenge me on this, and by all means, you know, you're welcome to call in uh, 347-324-3541 to argue or debate or agree, but the fact is that the PSP Go is being marketed as such, and shit, just on that premise alone, I may pick it up just because there's a lot of great PS1 games that I wouldn't mind playing on the go, you know, especially a lot of the PSP fighting games, PlayStation 1 fighting games that I enjoy. You know, don't get me wrong. I like Battle Arena to Shinden, you know, 1 through 3, but I wouldn't play that shit on the PlayStation 3 because the graphics look like shit. But on a smaller screen like the PSP Go, it would look a lot more interesting for sure. That's it. I'm not going to go into defending the PSP Go anymore. But in sticking with PSP news, if you uh, do own a PSP and want to play Little Big Planet, you're going to be able to pick that up November 17th. So, if you got a PSP and enjoy Little Big Planet, you can pick it up on November 17th. Let's move down the news because an hour and a half is slowly creeping up on us. Microsoft recently announced that uh, GTA 4, Street Fighter 4, Left 4 Dead, Saints Row 2, and Star Wars The Force Unleashed are all being inducted into the Platinum Hits collection for the Xbox 360. Um, I may actually pick up Street Fighter 4 for uh, uh, Platinum Hits just so I can play. Uh, with some of the people that I only own an Xbox and not a PS3. So if I can get it for 20 bucks, I may pick it up. Everybody's telling me to play Left 4 Dead, so I'm definitely going to check that out before um, Left 4 Dead 2 comes out. And we got some callers. Let's see who we got. So Yo, you're on I the air. Hey, man, what's up? Uh,
2: nothing much. Just uh, listening to your PSP Go, uh, I guess, like a little rant you got going on.
1: Well, what do you th- what do you think, man? I mean, you know, you're you're a uh, I, I'd like to classify you as a as definitely a Sony purist. You know, you definitely like to support the PS3. So, what, what what do you think? I mean, do you think that my that my rant is justified, or do you think you know, do you think that the approach that they're doing is not what I said?
2: Um, I think there, it's a bad idea. I mean, like right now, like there's YouTube videos on how to hack the PSP Go already. I mean, if you think about it, if if you got if you got games out there, you know, like if you got torrents out there, let's say like you want to get the Street Fighter uh, you know, uh, Alpha three Max or whatever I forgot what's called, but um, if you want to get that, there's a possibility you can just like download that and install it onto your PSP Go. Thus, you know, of course, kind of goes into the whole entire Dreamcast thing and its demise of you downloading a game, easy to burn, play it on your DC, you know.
1: Of course, but you know what it is? Sony's going to... Don't, don't get me wrong. Sony is going to succeed in moving to the PSP Go. Yeah, let's say you buy it and you can hack the shit out of it and never buy a game for it. Guess what? Sony got the initial 250 bucks out of you. So they won. And if they start putting applications on it that people actually can use and enjoy, they're going to get you a microtransaction. You know, because at the end of the day, yeah, the the they don't make a lot of money on console, but let's be realistic, how much can it really cost to manufacture that thing? You know? It's basically a pretty it's just a pretty iPod with buttons. You know, it has internal storage, it has Bluetooth, you know, it's basically almost like a phone, which I'm more than sure is where Sony is leaning to in the near future. I wouldn't be surprised if down the road they said Hey, you can stick a GSM card in there and use it as a cell phone. Boom! There's your competitor for the iPhone as well. That's Sony's approach, and I see it going that route.
2: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I, I mean, mean like, mean, for me, like, you know, I you know, I own a PSP and I bought all these UMDs, and I don't know. It just doesn't feel right. Like here I am, I'm buying pretty much, you know, here here I got a PSP Go. Yeah, it's sleeker. Screen is smaller, you know. That that was the one thing that I was like, eh, yeah, it is smaller, but I don't like you know a smaller screen.
1: Well, here's what happened. Yeah, yeah.
2: Oh oh, no, I mean like, uh, you know, like I I got all these UMDs. If there was a way that you can, I, I don't know, like I can get those games back and install it onto my PSV Go, okay, that that's cool. I'll probably get one, but. You know, for now, it's kind of like, you know, like we waste all this money on the UMDs.
1: Well, here's what happened, and this was, uh, you know, it's um, and I, I, I can understand what you're coming from, but once again, Sony's marketing this, and, and they, they've said it in some of their interviews. They want the regular PSP with UMDs for, you know, kids, you know, young, young people that already got UMDs, and, you know, they want that as the system of choice to give your kid for Christmas. But the guys who got money, you know, the, the people who are working that, with jobs that are out there, though, we're the ones that are going to buy the PSP. No parent is going to drop 250 on a portable system for their kid unless the kid whines, pisses, and complains and they got the money for it. <laughs> you know? The fact is that that's being marketed. But it, you know what? They're going to win by selling it to kids because look at the iPod. The iPod's 200 bucks, dude. You're paying, for all intents and purposes, you're paying $200 for a Walkman. Yeah. You know, you're, you're paying 200 bucks for a pretty Walkman And you can play Pong on or whatever, you know? So at the end of the day, the PSP Go, what they're going to do is this is their first salvo against Apple. That's all it is. The PSP Go is a direct attack on Apple. It's not after the DSI. That's what they got the PSP for, and they know they're never going to beat the DSI. But you know what? the easiest thing to do sometimes is attack soft targets. And right now, the iPhone has nobody from, a, from a, I mean, the um, iPod Touch has nobody that can compete on them on an app level or a game level. So P, Sony was like, you know what? That's your weakness, and we're going to fight you now tooth and nail to get that market share.
2: Yeah. What, what,
1: what, do you, what do you think? I mean, do, based on that alone, let's say you didn't own the PSP you own now. Would you buy the Go? And you're an adult and you got a job, dude. So would you buy it?
2: That's true. Yeah. I probably would.
1: You, you would, right? Because think about it. Yeah. I, I know a lot of people that hate Apple and, and refuse to buy iPods. Flick is one of them. You know? And you can... You you know, he, he for him right now, if he didn't own a PSP either, here's another potential device that he can use. Because it's small enough that it's you know, iPod size, because I got to actually mess with it this weekend, it's iPod size, has Bluetooth, you can surf the web on it, you can use Skype and make phone calls if you've got Wi-Fi. You know, it's all the same shit that the iPod Touch is known for doing. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: That's That's what they're going after, dude. That's why everybody's giving everybody a lot of shit that it's 50 bucks cheaper than the PS3. It is. But they're basically trying to tell you you basically have a mini PS3 in your pocket.
2: Yeah,
1: that's what it is, dude.
2: I can see it. I can see that. Yeah.
1: I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if that's what you wanted to hear. I mean, like I said, if you if, I'm not gonna you know I'm not gonna sit here and, and and pound on you to to defend my point. But I mean, if you disagree, dude, you know, well, yeah, you, you're open, you're welcome It's an open forum, dude. You can say it, dude. You're full of shit.
2: I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just going to play it by ear. I mean, for now, it's um, for now. It's just, you know, I'm sticking with, uh, you know, my beliefs that, yeah, that, that's the way it is. I mean, if I was like a, if I was like, you know, a huge deer head, and yeah, if I were working, yeah, I'd probably pick it up. But, I don't know, economically, it just doesn't... It
1: just exactly. Just doesn't economically, make it, it makes no point. Economically, yeah. it doesn't make any point for a parent or even a regular casual gamer to buy that. Doesn't make any sense because that's the type of thing that you know is like wow 250 bucks for something I'm I'm barely gonna play because think about it, I mean how much portable I mean I can a lot if I said that a lot of people would call in. but really how much portable gaming are you doing to justify a 250 dollars system the DS I can see 150 fine but you know two, that's 250 bucks man you know for, for 50 bucks more you get a Blu-ray player that plays games
2: <laughs> yeah I mean. If anything, I mean, like you know, the two fifty, you could just buy like how many games? You could buy like forty games for PS three.
1: That's it, man. I mean, you know, that's that's the way I see it. But we'll see what happens, man. If I if I if I get the PSP go, I'll do a review and put it on the site. Okay,
2: good
1: deal. All right, man. Well, let me uh, take the next call. Thanks for calling, bro. Yeah, no problem. Appreciate it. You're on the air, and I know it's you, Slick. What's up? What's up, huh? What do you got, sir? What do you got? Uh, on the PSP Go, like I said, just like you said, I mean, I hate the iPod, but um, I wouldn't be picking it up right now. I'm looking at it. There's a lot of things that I would want to do with it. Like, I was a late... I really made adopters to the PS1, so I missed a lot of the games. Like I think my first PS1 game was either Driver or Street Fighter Alpha 3. So right. that tells you that was, like the end of the, that was like the end of the PS1 life cycle. Right. But you know what they're doing? They're making it a point to make sure to tell you, hey, you can get the Samurai Showdown collection for the PSP GO. You couldn't get the King of Fighters collection for the PSP GO. You can't pick up the Street Fighter. You know, they, they know how to get people in there. They're not, you know, they're, they're marketing it right. It, the, the problem is, like I said, it, you know, I, I, I told Hyena uh, previously, you know, that the, everybody's looking at it from the standpoint of it's just an expensive Game Boy. It's not. It's a competitor for the, for, for the Touch. That's what it is. And, and, and watch, in another year or two, let's say Apple dropped the price of the Touch, you know, what Sony can say is, hey, you can get an 8-gig iPod for $200, which is the price now. And you can get a 16-gig iPod for, I believe, it's 249 or 279 I don't have the number in front of me. But guess what? You can get our system, does all that and more, and has more space than an entry-level iPod Touch for 250 So for 50 bucks more, you get games, space, Bluetooth, and all of the above that the iPod Touch doesn't have. Yeah, I mean, definitely, man. But, um, you also mentioned, like, well, I mentioned the whole problem that there are already videos up on YouTube of <clears throat> how to hack the PSP Go. Honestly, I don't think Sony gives a shit, and I don't see it hurting the PSP that much because... Is how many iterations of the original PSP? What three or four of them? Yep. And all of them have been hacked. Of course. But yeah, well, that's what I said. They, but well, you know what I? That's what I had said to Hyena. They won because they got your money for the system already. They don't give a shit what you do with it. They're like, all right, you bought it. Thanks for the two hundred and fifty bucks. Fuck off. Beat it. Yeah. Don't get me, <laughs> they want. It's true. Don't get me wrong. They want you to buy the game. And that's fantastic. You know. Oh you know, buy this game and buy that game. And you know what? The person that owns a PSP Go is going to buy one or two games. They are. It's just going to happen, whether it's, you know, the, the gearheads that like Gran Turismo, the guys that like SOCOM, the guys who like fighting games like me. I'd I probably, I probably buy most of the fighting games on the, on the PSP Go, you know? Same uh, here. The guys, you know, God of War, Chain of Olympus. You know, they're going to definitely put out certain exclusives, you know, Soul caliber that has Kratos in the game. You know, these are things you don't see on the console, but they're going to use that to try and nudge people for market share. That's all they're going to do. at the end of the day, the motivation of Sony isn't just to make you buy the game. They want you to buy the hardware because that's where the bulk of the money is going to come in. Because with games, you, you have the opportunity to be more selective because you can say, eh, I'll rent it. Yeah, whatever. I'll, I'll, I'll check it out later. With the PSP Go, they get you because, guess what? You can't borrow the game from a friend. You have to buy it. So they're going to get money out of you. When, when, if you have a PSP already, you know, you'll borrow the UMD, or you'll rent the UMD from game slides. The only you know? thing that scares me, me about the PSP Go, and correct me if I'm wrong, there's no memory slot, is there? Yeah, there is. You can put a memory slot. You can add more storage. Okay, because I thought that it came with 16 gigabytes of um, flash storage. I was like, oh, fuck. It's going to be just like the iPod. They're going to fucking release a 32 gig and a 64 gig one. Nope, you can add, that's where where they came at uh, that's how they came at Apple differently. They said, hey, you can add more storage on your own. Okay, so they did what Creative did. They just did it better. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Think of think of it now. Well, you know, I, like I said, I may have introduced people to a new idea, but think about it from that standpoint. It's you know you got this system that's really just a competitor for something that you already own. That's all it is. Because it's like if I didn't have an iPod right now or whatever, I'd be like, oh yeah, I'll definitely get that. Because it plays all my shit, you know. You can still plug it into the car and listen to music, you know, and shit like that. It's, it, and they're going to release apps for it. It's also a matter of the apps, because that's what sells, you know, the iPhone and the iPod Touch. You know, all those little apps, all those little games, you know, iBar, watch Girls Get Naked, you know, all, all those little fucking lame apps that, that, that you get nickel and dime the dollar for. It's like, dude, I have on my fucking phone to order food from Chipotle. It's like, I can drive down the block and order the food. No, but I got to be the the only dick that will go while I'm sitting on the toilet at work and order my food through my phone on the stupid app and then go pick it up. That's what Sony's going to do. They're going to just nickel and dime you with apps. Yeah, because remember, with your PS3, now you can order Papa John's pizza. There you go. It's it's, it's (laughs) devastatingly disgusting. There you go. Alright, so anything else you want to add? Yeah, I just wanted to apologize to everybody, because I said I would have like three or four reviews up this past weekend, but work has been, really been held between work and rewiring my house and trying to put this PC together. It just didn't happen, but what I'm going to try to do is have at least one more review up every week. Like, I'll have the infamous one done, like I said, between tonight and tomorrow, and... I'll try to do more than one a week, but it's definitely gonna be one a week. Well, you know what, man, don't you know, don't kill yourself. Like I said, you're 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 doing everything you can to promote the show and I'd definitely like to thank you, Mortis, you know, hyena, a lot of the guys, uh Rob Crawford just for promoting the show and supporting it. ARC, you know, I can go down the list and thank everybody, but you know, just helping to promote the show anyway. So Dude, if you can only get one out a week or one out every two weeks, that's fine. You know, it's not it's not the end of the world. So, you know, I appreciate it. Get in where you can. No problem, huh Alright, brother. Thanks a lot. Let right. me just take the next call. I'll tell you the shoot. Thanks, man. Later. You're on the air. Who's this? Uh this is NFG. Oh shit. I am yeah, no calling right. him. What's
4: going Crazy. on, sir? Oh, nothing but I just want to uh, retort to your uh, PSP Go statements. Um, all right, man. That's
1: that's what I'm here for. What do you got?
4: Well, I'm kind of with a hyena on it, and then like I understand your point as to how they're marketing it and stuff, but I think they're marketing it they're marketing it all wrong because.
1: How so?
4: Well, the thing is like the iPod Touch owners right now don't really seem too happy with the iPod Touch. Like, at the last keynote address, um, it, they hardly even had really any announcements for it except for the size upgrades. And uh, everyone was really like, okay, well, it's got to get a camera soon because, uh, you know, the iPhone 3GS came out and that had, like, massive camera upgrades and all this great stuff, and they didn't even do any of that. So it's like, okay, we, we you, you're dumping on the iPod Touch, but... It, it does things, but it doesn't. It's not as good as the iPhone, pretty much. And I think this kind of lies within the, the fact that it's a phone, just because uh, a lot of it relies on wireless internet and stuff like that. And really, um, there's not a lot of Wi-Fi connections just out there. You know what I mean? Like
1: it's not public. I mean, it's happening more in New York now. Like you know, Barnes and Noble getting Wi-Fi for free in Borders. But it is true. It's not something that's very prevalent.
4: Yeah, like, and I think if they wanted to get, you know, get it sold more, I think they should have made it a phone, or at least give it some sort of wireless capabilities, you know. Because, uh, well, not wireless. Well, it has wireless capabilities, but some it's just wireless internet. That's besides, you know, Wi-Fi. Like, you know, what Verizon does with um, uh, Lenovo. When you buy a laptop from them, you can get a deal with Verizon to get in- internet anywhere, which is you know equivalent to like a slow DSL connection. But if you're doing
1: small mobile stuff, it's not even going to matter. Well, so. I think that to Go 1 better, I think that the PSP would have gotten successful if they would have used – the PSP Go would have been successful if they would have done something like they do with the Kindle, which has the built-in, you know, data, data already. You know, if you're only downloading games that are 250 megs or so, you know, and you're providing free built-in Wi-Fi, you know, free built-in, um, internet service. I definitely think that that would have captured a huge chunk of market share.
4: Exactly. Like it. Like the Kindle's got like it, it's uh, the way I see it. The Kindle's really, really expensive for what it does. But on the other hand, it, it boasts free Wikipedia, which is pretty awesome. But like yeah. you know, you you look at like the PSP Go, and like it's it's selling point. It's like, oh, all right, all right, cool! I can play all these old games, and I could like play all these new games that they're kind of trying to get into the market with. But the thing is like. You know, I'm gonna have to get I'm gonna have to get those all at home because you know it, it goes back to the Wi-Fi thing with Wi-Fi not really being a very popular thing right now. Like, I mean, it's it's that's out there, but it's not in public places. So I, I don't know. I just think if it had like some sort of uh, internet connectivity that wasn't Wi-Fi, it'd just be a lot better. Or at least, or if it were a phone, because I would kind of take care of that too. Because it, it just really seems like, you know, if I had one, I wouldn't really see myself doing much with it because I have an iPod already, and I have a phone. And, like, I think it probably... I have a DS, too, and I have an original PSP, so it's like... And I have my games, and I have my music, and then I have internet and communication and all that stuff, but it's like...
1: Right, you have it spread across. I mean, I'm on the same boat. You know, I have I, I have my iPhone. I have, you know, an, an, an iPod... Um, Nano for the gym. I have a BlackBerry which I can use. Also, it, you know, it, it's just one of those things where. And and you bring up a great point. If there was built-in internet, Sony would have killed the game right now, because they would yeah. have been like, you get all this, you get all this for the price of, you know, you, you get what you get in a Kindle plus the game, plus you know, you can even say you can make Skype phone calls using that connection. Oh, it'd be over. It would be yeah. over.
4: It would. It just. I don't know, I, I just don't think they're really making the right moves with it. Like, I, I understand what they're trying to do, but, you know, the iPod Touch really isn't doing that well, you know? Well,
1: you know what it was? Steve Jobs also fucking didn't help by saying that the iPod, that the iPod Touch is geared towards gamers. Yeah. Because he said that, he was like, hey, look, we have Madden, you know, look how great it plays on the iPod Touch, just as, you know, comparable to the Nintendo DS, you know, he. He went out there, and he also kind of threw that first shot out there. He was like, hey, guess what? We can, uh, we can do this shit just as good as you guys can. And, you know, Sony, Sony probably already had the PSP Go already in development. They're like, all right, Steve, you keep thinking that. And then they just threw the, they threw the PSP Go out at everybody.
4: And that's the reason why they're selling so much. It's just because, you know, when, you know they, Apple's got this huge following. So when he puts the word out there that it's like, okay, well, it does this. Everyone's going to be like, well, hey, like, if you're going to tell everybody, well, yeah, you know, the people who are going to be paying attention to, like, Sony news and stuff like that, uh, as far as, like, PlayStation goes, are all, like, you know, gamers like you and I and, you know, people who call in on the show. They're all people who are like, okay, well, what am I going to do with all my PSP games and stuff? They're not really, like sitting here they're like, oh, cool, I get all these little downloadable games, which is probably more the casual market who gets the eye, tu- the eye touch and stuff. And like,
1: that's what they're gonna do. The PSP minis are gonna be games, and and it's a rule; they can't be more than ten bucks. So that's what it's gonna be. It's gonna be you know, bejeweled, and you know, little little games like that. You know, uh, word you know word games, Sudoku, you know, shit like that that you know that they'll charge people a buck for. And you know, that, those will be what the guys will play on the train on the way to work.
4: Yeah, and that's and that's why I think it's kind of a problem because the people who are watching the PSP go aren't the people that they want to buy it, you know? I'm saying, like, everyone who's, like, looking at it right now are, like, the hardcore gamers who are like, okay, well, what the hell is this? But I don't know, and that's why I think the iTouch does way better is because they, you know, Apple's got a bigger, I don't know, demographic,
1: so to say. Oh, Apple, well, you know what it is? Apple realized that when they had a, a, um, an MP3 player that practically everyone has owned at some point, they said, all right, what can we add to it to lower to, to lure in another market? All right, let's add games to it. So when you add games to it, that kid that bought an iPod just for music goes, wow, I can play this game on it. Let me go buy it. Oh, it's only $4. Okay, I can play Assassin's Creed for 10 bucks instead of paying 60 bucks. You know, Apple knew what it was doing. They're like, okay, you know, we're going to put Doom on there or whatever. They knew that that's how they were going to market it. And the problem was, the PSP Go wouldn't have been brought out with such a, with such a, a hard push if Steve Jobs wouldn't have said that the iPod Touch was a gaming system. And I probably, I probably think that the Go would have came out, replaced the PSP that exists, and they could have probably done the UMD, you know, download the UMD's You Already Own program. Yeah. They figured, they figured we'll just put this out and let the chips fall where they may and we'll compete against Apple instead of competing against themselves.
4: Exactly. Yeah, I don't know. I just think that they're just going... Like, I understand how they're going at it, but I think they're just kind of going at it all wrong now. I think if a PSP Go were a phone, that's that's kind of just where I'm going to leave that. It's like If it were a phone or had, like, any sort of wireless capability, it would be per-
2: like perfect for well, you know what? what they're going for.
1: Well, you know what it is? they they're, they're actually plugging the fact that you can tether it to your to your existing phone, and use the data to download stuff. So I wouldn't be surprised if with a little firmware update or a little hacking, there is some type of phone capability hidden in the PSP Go. I wouldn't even doubt it. But it's one of those things that Sony, you know, is guilty of all the time. They throw hardware at everything and don't think about, you know, how to get the most out of it. It's like the PS3, they threw it out there, and they said, hey, it plays Blu-rays and games. It's not until now that they realize that they can, you know, bundle a Blu-ray game with a movie, which they're going to start doing. You know, their their marketing strategy has always been kind of flawed. You know,
4: exactly. But
5: I, don't but I know. appreciate
1: it, the call, man. You you, you know, you you came out of the woodwork, man. You definitely try and call in more often, man. You, you bring a, a different spin on stuff.
4: Yeah, well, I'm I'm starting to catch up with the show. I, I listen. To it. <laughs> Episode twelve. Well, like, well, way, way after it was on, I just caught the recording and I caught uh, episode thirteen, which was pretty good too. And then I figured I'd listen, listening. Thanks a
1: lot, man. I appreciate, I appreciate the call.
4: All right, I appreciate the show. It's pretty good.
1: Thanks a lot, man.
4: All right, keep it up.
1: All right, later. Bye. All right. Wow. An hour and eleven minutes of show left. Let's go through all this other stuff. NFG definitely uh, brought in a lot of great points. I look forward to him calling in often. Uh, he seems to definitely be on his game, no pun intended, in terms of you know, bringing something to the show. So definitely, NFG, by all means, you're, you're more than welcome to call in. Let's run down the list. I actually want to get Frost to Nintendo this week because Business Week named Nintendo as the world's best company of 2009, beating Google, Apple, Amazon, and a few others. Get this, neither Sony or Microsoft cracked the top 40. Uh, it was said that the companies were judged on a commitment to innovation, diversified portfolios, aggressive expansion, strong leadership, and a clear vision of the future. I, you know, I definitely, you know, I give Nintendo a lot of shit, but the fact that they're being acknowledged as being the best company of 2009 is, is insane. It's like they beat Google and Apple and Amazon that are companies that come out with, you know with great products, I mean I, I would have honestly thought Amazon would have been on top with the Kindle or Apple obviously with the you know with the nine million iPods that they put out but the fact that you know little Nintendo comes along with a little two hundred and fifty dollar you know the little two hundred and fifty dollar system and just fucking turns the business world upside down is a testament to uh you know to, to just a, a a company that you know they came in and they knew that their market were children, families, and casual gamers, and even the elderly. And they just they just ran with that. And you know I give Nintendo a lot of shit, and I always will give them a lot of shit for a lot of stuff. But you know what? This week, Nintendo, you get you get fucking kudos for for, do, for doing it up this week, and you know being you know one of the best companies out right now according to Business Week. So you know what, Nintendo, props to you. Um. Uh, USA Today reported that Halo 3 ODSP has sold 2.5 million copies since being released two weeks ago. That translates to $125 million in sales and bumps the total franchise sales numbers up to 27 million units. It seems that you know the uh, the guy from the one of the analysts from Morgan Securities uh, said that that's pretty good for a game that most have called an expansion an expansion pack. Now I haven't played. Halo 3 ODST, Um, I actually gave it to uh, Rob Profit as a wedding gift, so he's playing it, and he seems to enjoy it. I think that the Halo universe as a whole will always be successful because you have a lot of die-hard Halo fans, which leads me into another bit of uh, news from this week. Uh, 343 Industries creative director Frank O'Connor spoke to USA Today about Halo, and he said that... You know, we do have a plan that goes out for at least six years. Eventually, it'll become very apparent that there's a plan for the way the canon ties together through comic books and novels. You know, so his plan is that everything that's coming out between comics, novels, and all the games is all tying together. He said that some of the stories and merchandise coming are Halo Reach, the Halo Heli-Jumper and Bloodline comic series, a Halo Legends anime series, and a new Halo Evolution novel. O'Connor took the opportunity to explain that you'll be, you know, that they're searching for a partner for the Halo movie, and he said that he'll see, you know, we're going to find out what happened to Master Chief after Halo 3. And he, you know, his, and, he quote, you know and I quote, he said the following. I think that his fate, Cortana's fate, and the identity of that giant dark planet at the end are probably big mysteries that would be irritating if they were just cliffhangers. So it seems that we're going to be getting a lot of Halo for uh, six years. You know, we're going to get six years worth of Halo. And like I said, I can sit here and and shit on Halo. But you know what? When Halo first came out, I was impressed with the story, uh, the innovation that was brought to the franchise. But six years of Halo, you know, it's going to be one of those things where you either really love it if you're a Halo fan or you're going to really hate it. So we're going to see what happens. You know, it's going to be an interesting six years. And uh, lastly, to close out, the game news for this week, and it seems that inter- the entertainment designer research firm has predicted that the PS3 has sold more units in September than the Wii and the Xbox 360. According to their estimates, the PS3 sold 400,000 units, the Wii sold 375, and the Xbox 360 sold 370. So I guess that price, that price drop definitely helped uh, Sony out. And I hope that, you know, Sony can continue on the, uh, on the positive trend not because of I want to see Sony be successful, but because it breeds more competition. It keeps things better. So we'll see what happens. I think that, you know, the price drop helps Sony, whether it's too little or too late. We'll see. I mean, the official MPG numbers are going to come out next Thursday, so I should be able to have them for next week's show. But let's wrap up the video game news and head into the movie news this week. Um, first off, you know, kind of on the on the tail end of the movie on, of the block uh, of the game news. Uh, they're going to do a Call of Duty movie. It seems it seems that the rights were recently uh, put out there that they were going to be doing a Call of Duty movie. And to me, you know, a movie about Call of Duty is practically every action movie with Marines that we've seen. So you know, they're just going to probably put out a movie. Um, similar to any other military flick, and just throw the Call of Duty name on it. That, that's all. I mean, what, what can I say? It's jumping on the bandwagon. But you know what? They're also going to make a movie based on Spore, which is going to be similar in style to the Ice Age movies. which, once again, taking all these ideas and just, just going crazy with it. It's ridiculous. But um, here's how I see it. And, you know, Dane movies are one of those things that they can be really good, really bad, but at the end of the day, nine times out of ten, they suck. And that's how it goes. I mean, you know, I, I can sit here for the next hour and four minutes of show and say, you know, the Doom movie sucked. I can say the Resident Evil movies were okay. I can say the Silent Hill movies were okay. I can say that Super Mario Brothers, the movie, with Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo is a steaming pile of donkey shit. Yes, I can say that. You want to know why? Because it sucked. I can say that. I can say... Let's get, let's get real crazy with it. I can honestly say to you that the Street Fighter Chun-Li movie was a steamy pile of shit. I can say that, too. It's, you know, it's ridiculous that these movies, you know, they, they continue to reflect poorly on the video game genre. It's, it's absurd. It really is. But who knows? We'll see how it pans out. But, um, wow, time's really flying by. Uh, Quentin Tarantino recently was on an Italian talk show host, was on an Italian TV show, sorry. And he uh, cleared up some rumors regarding Kill Bill Volume 3. He said that he wanted to take a 10 year break and it would allow the bride to, quote unquote, recover from all she had been through. He says that a Kill Bill Volume 3 movie may come out in 2014. He also gave a couple of plot details. He said that the new film said that it would be about Nikki Bell, the daughter of Vivica Fox's character from Volume 1, going on a journey to get revenge against the bride. Rumor has it that Tarantino actually shot extra scenes with the girl who played Nikki Bell during the filming of Kill Bill Volume One, and that will be used in Volume Three. To add to these rumors, uh, Kill Bill executive producer E. Bennett Walsh said in 2007 that Tarantino had formulated the plots for two sequels, which he plans to film in China. Uh, it seems that the the review site Filmic said that Kill Bill Volume Three would be the revenge story of two crazy 88 killers whose arms and eyes were hacked out by uma thurman in the first movie and that kill bill volume four would then focus on the battle between the two daughters uh daughter of course of uma thurman's character beatrice kiddo and vernita green's character um nikki bell you know vernita green's daughter who was played by nikki bell i think at the end of the day you know i'm all for more kill bill the only problem is that like anything else you know the, if you wait too long, the the popularity of the franchise may wane, and you're not going to be able to get that that extra you know that extra push from you know the people who are hardcore fans. I mean, I'll go see a, a Kill Bill Volume Three, you know, if it comes out in 2011 or 2012. But who the fuck knows where we'll be in 2014? You know, especially if according to the Mayans, fucking the world is going to end in 2012. So you know what? Uh, I'm definitely excited about the concept of another Kill Bill movie, but in terms of waiting for it, uh, I think 2014 is definitely going to take too long. But, of course, it wouldn't be uh, the movie segment without the talk of sequels. Of course, the uh, recent Friday the 13th remake is going to get a sequel uh, due to the success of the original Friday the 13th, which made $40 million in the opening weekend. Uh, They're saying that the second part is going to start shooting of course, conveniently for an August thirteenth, 2010 release. Platinum Dunes will once again produce the film, though it's not known who will be back for the cast and the crew. Um, I have actually heard a rumor that they wanted to use USC uh, fighter Tim Sylvia to play Jason. So we'll see how that goes. I definitely want to give credit to the crew of Bloody Disgusting for that little news tidbit. Um, oh, yeah, I definitely want to talk about uh, this week's box office. Of course, Zombieland was number one, earned $25 million. Uh, it's the 14th largest opening in October. It had a high per theater average of uh, $8,235 $8, per theater. The film had a budget of twenty-three point six, so it's already profitable uh, by an extra couple of mil. So I'm more than sure Zombieland will continue to be successful, and uh, there's already talk of doing a Zombieland sequel. So... It will probably continue right where the first one left off. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs was number two. Uh, The re-release, Toy Story and Toy Story 2 and 3D, came in at number three, earning $12.5 million, which I'm more than sure is gonna make Disney very happy. The Invention of Lion came in at number four. It earned $7.3 million. The film had a budget of 18. I definitely can see this movie being profitable. Uh, Ricky Gervais, I'm kind of mixed on his humor just because English humor is, you know, not something that's, you know, my forte. He is amusing. So, you know, it will be a movie I'll pick up as a rental. Definitely not something that I would go and drop 10 bucks to see. Surrogates dropped three spots to number five. Capitalism, A Love Story, the Michael Moore movie, jumped from number 31 to number six this week. It earned 4.8 million dollars over the week, weekend, making its two-week total 5.2. Uh, with it, the uh, Roller, the Roller Girl movie, uh, was tied for number six. It made 4.85 this weekend. The film had a budget of 15 million. Of course, the Fame remake fell five spots. It made uh, 4.7 million dollars in two weeks, it made 16.6. It had a budget of 18. Who gives a shit? Uh, the Informant fell five spots to number nine. It, that movie actually looked really funny. Matt Damon, you know, playing the fat uh, whistleblower looked interesting. But, of course, you know, not everybody's going to like that type of comedy. So it kind of, I definitely saw it kind of tanking a little bit. But it made $26.5 million and it had a budget of 22. so I can see it already being successful. Love Happens fell three spots. To round out the top ten this week, it earned 2.7 over the weekend, made $18.9 million, and it had a budget of $18 million. So, with that said, made a little money. Half of these movies I really don't give a fuck about, but, you know, it's definitely something that can breed some discussion. Now, of course, I want to talk about a remake of Get This, You're Gonna Love This. National Lampoon Family Vacation, and the story is going to focus on Rusty Griswold, the son of Clark Griswold, who at the time was played by Chevy Chase, and he's going to be the protagonist that will be taking his children on a road trip. Uh, Chevy Chase and Beverly D'Angelo may reply may reprise their roles as Clark and Ellen Griswold this time around as the grandparents. Uh, no deals are in place to confirm that. Either Chase or D'Angelo will do this movie. Of course, you know, the Hollywood Report is usually good with coming out with stuff like that. But, look, I've said it before, and I'll say it again with the fucking remakes. You fucking, ah, you non-thinking piss bag. Once again, National Lampoon, you know, Family Vacation, even their kind of lackadaisical shitty sequels following that were, you know, they're they're ingrained in, in, you know, in comedic glory, so to speak. They were very amusing, and they added, you know, they added just fond memories, like, especially in Family Vacation. You know, you had that cameo from John Candy. Um, You had the grandmother dying on them in the back seat and her dog being dragged by the station wagon. You know, those are movies that are, you know, that they just have those marquee moments that that people can remember at the drop of a hat. And then, of course, with the lack of originality that Hollywood has, they decide, hey, what else can we fuck up? Hey, let's fuck up this movie. You know, and did they think for one fucking second that putting Chevy Chase and Beverly D'Angelo in that movie is going to make it any less of a fucking fest they're sadly mistaken. As of right now, I personally think that this movie is going to fucking bomb because they got nothing better to do and as a matter of fact i wouldn't even go see it because it sounds like something that should be seen on straight to dvd so this is what they get (laughs)
2: that's
1: what they get fuck them anyway moving on here's a here's another fantastic gem before i talk about the uh predators movie uh entertainment weekly hollywood insider blog has recently reported that Marlon Wayans may be close to signing a deal to get this play Richard Pryor in the Sony biopic Richard Pryor isn't something I said. The film's going to be directed by Bill Condon and produced by Adam Sandler and Chris Rock. Originally, Eddie Murphy was attached to the role, but he dropped out after a conflict with Paramount. Uh, Marlon's own big brother, Dana Wayans, was supposed to be playing the role, but Entertainment Weekly has the following to say about Wayans' screen test. Wayans fought for the role, blowing the producers away with a 13-minute screen test where he transforms into Pryor. The movie depicts Pryor's controversial brand of comedy and his battle with drugs, and is currently budgeted at $20 million. So, with that, do you think for one second that Marla Wayans has the chops to play one of the greatest comedic minds in history as Richard Pryor? You know, if if you agree or disagree, please, I definitely want to hear you. Call in 347-324-3541 and state your case. Matter of fact, it looks like we got some calls right now. Let's see who's on the air. You're on the air. Who's this? Hello? You? Yeah.
3: Akuma, it's Donnie. Hey, what's
1: Donnie? up?
3: Nothing. What's going on, brother?
1: Nothing much, man. What you I back? heard you
3: start... I heard, I heard you talking about uh, National Lampoon, and uh, I heard about this Marlon Wayans thing, so I had to call in because I figure that's, that's my territory.
1: Let's, let's hear it. So what do
3: you got? I think it's ridiculous. I think Hollywood's ridiculous, and I think I've, I've, I've said this on many other shows. Uh, it, Hollywood is just a waste of time now. All they do is just remake, rehash old stuff. I was arguing with somebody the other day about, like, the horror movies they make now where, like, back in the day, Like, Psycho is a great movie, but you never see anything happen. And that's what makes it a great movie because it's suspenseful and they, like, knew how to film a movie. Nowadays, they're just, like, doing, like, you got Rob Zombie out there doing these stupid Halloween movies where it's just how gross can you be, how much blood can you have, how much swearing is, or whatever. I mean, I ain't ain't against swearing or blood or anything like that. You know me. Most of the people listening probably don't, but you know me. Of
1: course, of course.
3: And, uh, you know, I, I have no problem. I, I swear like a sailor, fuck, 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 fuck. I don't know if I'm allowed to, but fuck. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, I mean, that's, that's I mean, it's it's a waste of time, you know. And, 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 I mean, all you hear about is, oh, they're remaking this or they're making this. And this TV show, they're doing an A-team movie. That's like, really, do you need to do an A-team movie? Do you have no other good ideas? And then when actually, whenever anybody actually comes up with a good idea... Everybody else just jumps on and makes copies of it. It's just ridiculous.
1: Well, you know, it's funny you say that because uh, something that kind of flew under the radar is, um, you know, and you you might have seen this was they, they did a remake for the Stepfather. Yeah. Which, if you if you saw the original, you know that the Stepfather movies were, you know, they're they're, they're cult classics. But right. the thing that got me is that you re you know, you remake this movie and you give it a PG thirteen rating. That's the shit that gets me. You know, and, and like you said, it takes it back to doing, you know, movies like Psycho, where, you know, you didn't see what happened. But Psycho was well written. Uh, you know, the camera work was phenomenal. You know, it was ahead of its time in terms of filmmaking. Nowadays, you know, they try to do the scares with, like you said, pumped up buckets of blood, extra mutilation, uh, more nudity, and they lose sight of the psychological aspects of making these movies good, especially, you know, with horror flicks. That's one of the things that I can always say that Saw kind of brought back, even though they introduced the torture porn genre, as it's called. They took right. the opportunity to, you know, Saw innovated, because here's a guy, you know, in, in, in Jigsaw that, for all intents and purposes, didn't kill anyone. Right. And, you know, that was innovative at the time. It's like, wow, that dude is, is doing all this shit, but he didn't kill anybody. Right. And, you know, I remember, that, was, that was
3: like, go ahead, man. Oh, I was just going to say, I remember when I first, like, when I first rented the, the first Saw movie. And they're like, it's the most brutal movie you'll ever see, blah, blah, blah. You're saying, and I'm like, ah, shit, it's just going to be like one of these other movies where it's just stupid. But that was, it was actually, like you said, it was well written. Like, you were like, oh, wow, I didn't really, you know, it was actually entertaining. And it used the gore, so it was okay.
1: Well, that's the thing. The ending of Saw alone, you know, was, was the highlight. You know, the ending for that movie was just like, holy shit, you know. And that's the type of thing, you know, that, that people are, are missing. And then, you know, you put out these PG-13 horror movies, which, you know, The Haunting in Connecticut, kind of creepy for a PG-13 horror movie. But then you, you run down that list of other lackluster PG-13 movies like Prom Night, you know, and shit like that, and you realize that these are, you know, high school musical horror movies, you know, just, just utter bullshit that you right. know, just shows the lack of, and, and I agree with you, the lack of originality and the lack of wanting to move the product forward. You They're know, it, it's always going to be something like that. Yeah, it is cookie-cutter. But um, to, to move that along, what, what do you think about um, Marlon playing... Richard Pryor, I know, you know, you're a, little, you're a little older than me, so you know some of Pryor's stuff even probably a lot better than I do.
3: <laughs> you ever wonder what? No, I, I'm not going to get into it right now. I don't do think exactly. Pryor. But,
1: but think no. about it. You know, Richard Pryor is one of those guys, you know, he's, he's he's, he's you know, a, a patron saint of comedy. You know, him, Carlin, you know, you could go Sam Kennison. You, you can go Rita yeah. Rudner.
3: Hands down, top three comedians ever. I mean, Richard Pryor was a fucking genius. I mean, he wrote, he co-wrote *Blazing Saddles*, but nobody ever knew that. He, he was, he, him and Mel Brooks, he was supposed to star in that, but then he got into a bunch of shit. He couldn't. I don't know if he knew that.
1: No, I didn't even know that, dude.
3: He, yeah, he's a co-writer for *Blazing Saddles*. He wrote all those. (laughs) He wrote all those jokes. (laughs) You know what I mean? but i mean and i don't know i mean when you're talking about when you're talking about making a movie about somebody that you already know and you know what they're like watching anybody try to play him is kind of eh, it's kind of weird but uh i mean if it's a good if it's if it's good and he does a good job as richard Pryor, i probably wouldn't have a problem with it i mean if you could have a world with oh. four different batmans i think you could handle like some dude playing Richard Pryor. You know
1: what I mean? Well, well, you know what it is, and this is the, the crazy thing. Uh, 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 reading this, reading this initially, I said to myself, "This is such a bad idea." But the producer said that he did a 13 minute screen test where he transformed into Richard Pryor, which takes me back to when Will Smith was cast as Muhammad Ali. When right. I heard that, I was like, "Are you fucking?" I was like, "Are you fucking serious?" But then I watched Ali, man, and the mannerisms, you know, right down to the rope-a-dope. He had right. that, you know, he had it well-scouted. You can even go one better, Jamie Foxx's Ray Charles. You know, was, fantastic.
3: I was just going to say, yeah, that's that's. that's I mean, that's, that's dead on, you know.
1: Yeah, Denzel Washington as Malcolm X, though, is the measuring stick of playing <laughs> historical fiction. Because he, yeah. he fucking killed it, dude. Same. But we'll see, man, you know. Huh? I said, we'll see what happens.
3: Well, yeah, you never know. You never know. So, but anyways, hey. I'll let you get back to it. All I right. Man.
1: Thanks a lot, Anderson. Once again, uh, you can check out Donnie's show Tumbling with Tumbleweed on what? Tuesday?
3: Tuesday nights at 10.
1: That's right. On the blog talk radio network. Check it out. Uh, we Don, kick it every course, night. yeah, Don keeps it real just like me. And I definitely stand behind his podcast and endorse it 100%. So, Help Donnie out. Check out Tumbling with Tumbleweed Tuesdays at 10.
3: Appreciate it. All,
1: All right, Donnie. I'll talk, I'll
3: talk to you later, man.
1: You got it, brother. Peace. All right. Peace. All right. We got more callers on the air. I, I see Slick in there, and I see a few others. We got 45 minutes left, folks. I'm not going to rush anybody, but I just want to let them know that it's 45 minutes. Slick, what's up? Dude. Tell me you're fucking joking about Marlon fucking Lands playing Richard Troyer. No, sir, I am not. But like I was saying to, to Donnie previously, I'm going to reserve judgment until I see at least at minimum a trailer. Because it's true. When you read it, you're disgusted. But then I think back, like I said, I put up a great example. If you see Marlon Wayans in Requiem for a Dream, dude, he was fantastic but that's because he was doing a serious movie and I'm more than sure. And this is just me talking from what I see, you know, they hire, you know, an actor is hired to play a character a certain way. Marlon Wayans is always considered as comedy relief. So you don't really get to see him in other scopes. You know, it's like Will Smith was always the comedy guy. So you saw a movie like Ali or you saw a movie like, um, Ethan Hancock was a good example where he was funny but he played a, a more tortured character. You know, I want to I not be too angry or too critical until I at least see a trailer. Well, I'm going to be critical because when Marla Wayans is being, quote-unquote, funny, could I not. Swear, yeah, I know. he could actually have a paper condo filled with semen. <laughs> well put, well put. But... You know what it is? Marlon Lane, Marlon Lane's yeah. fucking playing Richard Pryor as a travesty. I could reach up in my fucking asshole and scrape out the agent-impacted feces, and that would do a better job than he would. Well, you know, and, I'm and, really and, fucking angry about this shit. Well, you know, I understand, and, and, you know, your frustration, dude, it's warranted Richard Pryor, somebody. You know, I've watched, you know, Which Way Is Up? Any, any movies with fucking with him and Gene Wilder. You, you know, dumb asshole. You know, Dude, Richard like Pryor co-wrote Blazing Saddles, which is one of the fucking funniest movies ever made. Oh, yeah, of course. But, but, you know, that's the type of thing that I'm talking about. You know, Richard Pryor was a comedic genius, and the way that they want to do this movie, I can understand that they want to talk about his career and, you know, what happened to him as a whole. But once again, there's certain key moments in, in Richard Pryor's life story that they have to do perfectly and correctly in order for him, to, for the movie to be taken seriously. It's one of those things where it has to translate well into film. You know, I'm very, very concerned about not so much Marlon as playing the character, but bringing Richard Pryor to life. You know, there's, let me tell you something. I could walk into a room and say that I'm George Lopez and people are going to look at me and go, "Nigga, you just a short, gray-haired Puerto Rican. You ain't shit. But you know what? If I walk into a room and I'm able to convey that I am George Lopez and make it believable enough, then people will accept it. You know, Denzel Washington did it with Malcolm X. You know, Will Smith did it with Ali. Jamie Foxx did it with, um, with Ray Charles. It's one of those things where you have to motivate um you know, your audience, and you have to move them with your portrayal of a character. That's why at least if I see the trailer, if it engages me in a way where I can say, you know, that's pretty damn good, I, I, I will change my tune. But right now I'm very, very hesitant. I'm not angry to the extent that, you know, that you're feeling anger just because you have a varying opinion of Marlon Wayne. But I've seen his body of work in various movies. I mean, you can go to a movie like White Chick. And, yeah, you know, white chick was campy and stupid, but it was a different brand of humor. You can go to G.I. Joe, which came out recently. You know, he kind of played it comedic, but his, com- his comedy was reined in because they didn't want the comedy to overshadow the impact of the movie. It's just about how they decide to let him do it. Put it like this. I'm going to break it down, and I'm going to give a better suggestion. The last movie that Marlon Wayans was in that made me laugh was Don't Be a Menace to South Central while drinking your juice in the hood. And that movie was terrible. Well, you know what it was? It's same thing, but this is the type of shit that people, you know, they um, these, are, these are things that they just pick these actors for. I always try to look at the bigger picture. That's why, you know, if, if you get a chance and I'll even it to you, definitely check out Requiem for a Dream and get back to me. In terms of seeing you know his his acting get stretched to a new, to a new limit, I mean right now we can talk about every comedy he's been in and how bad they've suck. but I definitely want you to see his body of work just so that maybe i don't want you to you know i don't want to force you to agree with me, but maybe we can just sit back and be critical in the in the sense that we want to wait for the trailer to, to give a full verdict. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but even going further than that, I know somebody who could play a better Richard Pryor, who actually has a similar on-screen personality to Richard Pryor, and is a decent actor on screen. Who's that? Dave Chappelle. Richard Pryor Dave Chappelle, on screen. Dave Chappelle was like a good Richard Pryor, but you know what it is? I don't know if his voice can capture Pryor. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to... This is the thing in terms of acting. I want to see if Marlon Wayans... Can really become Richard Pryor, like Will Smith became Ali. Manuism, talking oh, do will give me mad. I'll do the rope, boy boys. You know, like he had that. He had the the manuism. He sat with Ali. You know, it's hard because Ray Charles and, and, and Ali, you know, they they were still around when these movies were made. So it's it's a different source material. I want to see Marlowe and bring him Richard Pryor to life, but with his own, you know, with his... He's got to watch a lot of tape to get it down, dude. Richard Pryor's delivery, his mannerisms, dude, they're well-known. They're They're second to none, and the only way I can see him being successful is him learning every aspect of Pryor's game. Chappelle would be a a good candidate. The only thing is that I worry about Chappelle, A, having a nervous breakdown, because, you know, he's kind of real sensitive with his shit. But that's what I'm saying. Richard Pryor on screen was always a very, like, paranoid character. So was Chappelle. And you talk about freaking Will Smith and Ali. Ali in his heyday was a freaking loudmouth, conceited, you know, just a showboat of a person. Will Smith does the same shit. Not necessarily, I mean, that's part of why he pulled off Ali so well. Well, we will uh, see what happens. I mean, right now, like I said, I, I, I understand your frustration. And like I said, you have a, uh you know, a, an understanding of how you want him, you know, how you want Richard Pryor to be portrayed. And, and you know, I respect that. But me me personally, just, I want to reserve judgment until, you know, I can see a trailer, I can see some footage. If I see some footage and he sucks, dude, you know I'm going to come on the air and just be like, Yo, I saw the fucking trailer and it was bullshit. But for <laughs> now, you know, you know, let's see what happens. I mean, you know, you're, you, you're, you're entitled to your opinion. You know, that's why you guys call in. You're entitled to that. But me personally, I want to reserve judgment until I see a full picture. Right now we're, we're speculating on it being a bag of shit based on that initial gut reaction. I want to base it on, okay, I saw the trailer and I think he was good. Or, okay, I saw the trailer and I think it sucked. But I'm more than sure he's not going to be shitty because these are the types of roles that get motherfuckers Oscars. Sound good? Okay, it's so like you said. We'll see what happens. You got it, Holmes. All right, man, we got 38 minutes. Let me just run through these calls real quick. All
3: right.
1: All right, brother. Thanks again. Later. Peace. You're on the air. Who's this?
4: It's NFG again.
1: NFG, what's up?
4: All right, yeah. Um, uh, I just wanted to say one the, just a little bit about the uh, remakes thing and then just a little bit more about the Richard Pryor thing. Actually, I'll do the Richard Pryor thing first because that's going to be really quick. Um, Go ahead,
1: homie.
4: First, uh, it could be a lot worse. Like, Marlon Wayans, he's not that bad. Just thinking they could have picked Tyler Perry. That's all I'm going to say.
1: <laughs> I mean, would well, rather yeah.
4: fucking Tyler Perry do it.
1: Fuck that guy. You know, you're... That that's a that's a nice way to troll, and I'll give you credit. But so you and I both know that Tyler Perry has a better shot of playing Grandmama like Larry Johnson than playing fucking Richard Pryor. Let's call it spade a spade. You know, Tyler Perry is a mogul and he knows how to market himself, but he just likes wearing women's clothing. <laughs> Let's yeah, call it like totally. I, I, I just know? fucking hate that dude. <laughs> Oh, don't, don't feel bad, dude. I don't like him either. I hate the fact that people are always like, did you get the new Tyler Perry movie? No, I didn't. I'm just, it sucks.
4: <laughs> I'm just saying, like, just look at it that way. Like, you know, yeah, Mar- Marlon Wayans, probably not the best choice, but, you know, that, that's yet to be seen. I mean, everyone freaked out when they picked Heath Ledger as the Joker, and then he turned out great.
1: Yeah, dude, um, that's know. what I'm saying. I want to reserve judgment for, for footage, you know? I want to see it. And it sucks, yeah. dude. I'd, give, I'd even want to see the screen test. Because if his screen test blew them away so badly, I wish somebody would leak some video. Because, dude, that'll sell everybody. They'll be like, holy shit, you know?
4: Yeah, that'll that'll, that'll be pretty big. I don't know. I'm looking forward to it.
1: But right now, you know, I'm just over you know, based on fucking words on a screen, you know, I want to see the body of work presented before making a full judgment.
4: Yeah. Um, Also, what I wanted to say about the whole remake thing, is that, um, you know, like we could bitch all we want about it, but like the thing is, like, it's something that we're never really going to get away from as time goes on. You, you really kind of run out of original ideas. Um, but, um, you know, the, if you think about it, not all remakes are really bad. Like, The Departed was, was a fucking excellent movie. And it was, the Departed uh, was off,
1: fantastic. But yeah, yeah, it, was it was also based, based off, on Asian source material.
4: Yeah. It was based off Infernal Affairs. I mean, some would argue that Infernal Affairs is just far superior. But, you know, it's, it's still it was a really good movie. Like, I don't think anybody out there is going to be like, man, The Departed was shit. And then I'll, another thing, uh, you can look at it, uh, well, I don't, know. I don't know if anyone else noticed this, but the big similarities between Hamlet and fucking The Lion King. It's like the same movie when you yeah. think about it. <laughs> so, like... Really, like, there's been, it's been done so many times, or th- things have been done so many times that it's really like, you know, when they remake something, it, uh, it's, you can't really get too upset. Well, um, you
1: know what it I, is, you know what it is, and you're right, but you know what it is, I think that I, I me personally as a, as, a, as a movie watcher, don't mind, you know, remakes. But I like the subtle homages, like, like you just said with, with The Lion King and Hamlet. You know yeah. kind of sort of it's like Hamlet, but it's not being slapped up, you're not being slapped across the face with it, like, yo, it's Hamlet. It's Hamlet yeah. and animals. It's like, exactly. hey, shit, it's like Hamlet. You know? it's, it's one of those things. It's about the subtlety. You know, if you're really creative and you're really tight with your game, you can sell people on anything. It's like, if I'm a good salesman, I can buy your mother from you and sell her back to you because that's how good I am at my craft. It's the same thing with movies. If you're really good, at, it's all about directors and actors. If you're good at your craft, you're going to be able to sell people, and that's the thing. You know, I bring it back to, to the remakes. I don't mind remakes. I really don't If they're executed correctly. But when they try to reimagine them, change the mythology too much, pick the worst actors ever, make it rated PG-13, it just starts souring me on the whole concept, and thus far, very few remakes have, have endured you know, my harsh criticism. Usually I'm like, alright, this is bullshit, and I just move on.
4: Yeah, it's it's I don't know, like, you, you really look at it, there's a few that did really well, like, you know, Batman now, it's a, not so much a remake, but it's, you know, they're pretty much redoing the whole thing, and it's great. Like, the, the new Batman movies are fantastic. But, um, like, I don't know, I mean, we are talking about National Lampoon and it's kind of like, eh, you know, they, they were, they were good for the time. And like, now they're still okay.
1: Exactly. Yeah. But so going to be it's a like, dated concept.
4: I really don't think they can make it worse. You know, I think if anything, they could just make it better. You know yeah, what well I mean? You know
1: what? You know what? Let's think back to when they did the honeymooners with Cedric the Entertainer. Let's, 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 let's just leave it at that and close it out with that.
4: Yeah. All
1: right. <laughs> you know, but, um, let me just bang out this next call. But thanks again for the call, on FG. All right, no problem. All right, man. Later. You're on the air. Who's this? Yo.
5: Yo. Yo. It's your all
1: Shit. What's up, yeah. What's going on?
5: It's, not, it's it's good. You know, I had to call in when I heard dude talking about Marlin and all of that. I had to I had to give him some feedback.
1: Oh definitely man. I, I appreciate I appreciate the support and I appreciate the call. What do you got, man?
5: Oh, oh, the the whole him being prior I mean, yeah, Marlon is not the most credited actor in the world. But you have I'm to look
1: out.
5: <laughs> You know what I'm saying? You you have to look at what's up. If Eddie dropped the ball, you know what I'm saying? Marlon is not a horrible actor. And he said, "Well, right. what, what got me upset is when he said that the only thing that made him funny was the don't drink your juice and sell him shit." You, oh my god!
1: <laughs> well, you know what it is, and and it's good that you called. But the fact is, I, I understand, you know, and and this is also just because I know I know Slick personally, much like I know you. You know, right. it's all about it's all about how you how you you know how you feel about certain things. You're, it's like me and you, we talk. And your passion—you are in the armed—you are in the armed forces. And if I were to talk to you in, in a negative light about the armed forces, you're gonna be like, Yo, man, you know, how would you know? You weren't in the shit, you know. And you're gonna—you're gonna be passionate about it. So, you know, his personal bias is based of course, on of course. And I
5: understand everybody has their point of view. So I don't want to come in and you know shit on a man or nothing like that. But I want to bring right. some some good stuff, you know. You know, no, bring, no, no, what bring what you God to the to the dampering of what's going on. But, you know, I heard a couple, you know, a couple of things that's going on, but I, I really think that Marlon, I mean, you know, they're reaching right now making a Richard Pryor movie. They're just reaching, you know, it's, it's a money thing. Everybody wants to get money, and who's better to make money off of but dead people, you know what I'm saying?
1: Right, and so dead people Uh-oh. can't find it. It's like, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if me and you are having a conversation five years from now about a James Bond movie.
5: Exactly. Exactly. So they're reaching right now and I understand everybody's, you know, hostility towards the the whole like why are they even making a movie. I'm I personally I would hope that the movie never comes out. But if Marley does make the movie I'm you know, I'm rooting for the man to do good.
1: I I you and me both. I mean, I'd like to because you know what it is? There's a lot of guys that they need that one movie to just to just solidify and justify their career. You know, for Heath Ledger it was the Joker, you know. Yeah. For Denzel Washington, you for Denzel Washington, you can go John Q. You know, you can go Malcolm X. You can go um, Man on Fire. You know, you need those movies to justify somebody's career. Russell Crowe, you can go with Gladiator. You know, it, it's that you need that one movie. And maybe this is it for for Marlon. Maybe this is the movie that people will be like, oh shit, he's not all about fart jokes and dick jokes. Yeah, you know, he's, and he's that's a, what I'm saying.
2: I most, guess if it
5: does come out, you know, I hope that he kills it because. I mean, I, you can see the potential in Marlon. Out of all the wings, but you can see this man's potential. It's very evident, you know. It's evident that the man can act.
1: Well, originally, they had wanted Damon to play prior. Oh, well.
5: Exactly. I, I don't, so,
1: you I, know, they, they considered Damon and Eddie before Marlon. So, you know, Marlon, I, I, out of those three, Eddie, of course, would have been the first. But in in some respects, I would have worried that Eddie Murphy was trying to be more Eddie Murphy than Richard Pryor.
5: Exactly.
1: Yeah. Because Eddie you know, Murphy
5: has his own swagger.
1: Exactly. Eddie Murphy has his own legacy that he will always try to cement, at you know, at all costs. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I've lost some respect for Eddie just because he's a he's a a uh, shell a shell of his former self.
5: Exactly. You know? it's, it's, is, is the trying to clean up your whole acting. It really doesn't work with comedians that well.
1: And I think Especially that when you start
5: off as raw it. as he is.
1: Exactly. How are you how are you gonna go from forty eight hours to talking to fucking animals? You know, like like don't let <laughs> I, I can understand you trying to get a paycheck and, and I'm not hating on you because you know what, as as actors it's like you're gonna do your good picture, your shitty picture you out out-of-the-box picture. I, I understand that. But the problem is that Eddie just removed himself. You know, like he was good in Dream Dreamgirls. He, Girls. he, but then he, it's he like,
5: classified himself into one, to one genre that he's not even really that good at.
1: Nope. Because his kids' movies were all, you know, fight gags and, you know, funny animals making dick jokes, you know, and, right. and fart jokes and, you know, and, and fucking jokes. That's all it is. At the end of the day, if Eddie Merck... I'd really... I'd probably... Chop My Own Arm Off, if Eddie Murphy did stand up
5: again. Oh, no, he, um, actually, I've been watching a lot about Eddie Murphy, and he said he's thinking about it, you know. he's uh, He always says he's thinking about it, you know, he always sways away from it. You know, but I would love to see it. I would go, I'll be in the front row to watch the man perform a good stand up. That, that is my idol in a stand up. Thing. Everybody loves Richard Pryor. I love him to death. But Eddie Murphy was my mogul when I was coming up. This just shows my age.
1: Oh yeah, of course. And that's what I'm saying. Like Eddie Murphy to me was if he and he needs to do that because sometimes and this is just me, I, I I'm not a stand up comedian and you know, I'd love to talk to a few to get their take on it. But the fact is that, you know, the thrill of a room, it, you know, that live crowd that you have in the palm of your hand hanging on to every word. That's what makes comedians special. And, you know, you watch guys like Carlin, Kennison, John Candy, Chevy Chase, even Steve Martin when he was actually fucking funny. Um, Bill Murray. You know, you see all these guys, you see that they have that spark, that intangible that makes them great comedians. Like, I watch deaf Comedy Jam sometimes, and there are guys that come out and they're funny, but they're not engaging. They're not, you know, Martin Lawrence engagement. You know, they're, they're funny. They
5: can't hold the audience.
1: Right, they're funny in a Joe Torrey, Bill Bellamy kind of way. Not a fucking,
5: exactly.
1: not an Eddie Murphy, Dave Chappelle way.
5: Right, right. They're all right, but they're not great. You know, they, They're good enough for the, the five, 15 minutes of fame that they have, but they, they'll they bore the hell out of a crowd if they decide to do HBO special.
1: Oh uh, No, I, I'll tell you this, though. If Eddie Murphy got on stage and did stand-up and he saw how, how eager that crowd is, to see him, like I tell you this, I think if Eddie Murphy said he was going to do stand up, he'd sell out the Garden.
3: Exactly,
5: in, in a day.
1: Because a day, because people easy. want that. <sighs> yeah, people want that, man. They want that, young man. You know, it's, it's like if Michael Jordan was going to come out of retirement and he was right. going to play his first game with the, you know, with the Bulls against LeBron James. You know, people would want to see that because that's something that they want to be a part of. They want to be a part of history. You know, and that's, I'd like to see Eddie do some more stand up. Before people look at his career as you know, Nutty Professor, Norbit, and the fucking clumps, I would like to see that. But you know, who, who am I? Who am I to pass that judgment? All right, I'll have
5: one more before I go. What's and, um, your take on the new Nightmare on Elm Street?
1: The new Nightmare on Elm Street, I um I had posted the trailer on the site, and overall, I think that the in, it, the concept looks sound, but I want to see more of um the guy that, the guy who's Rorschach playing Freddy Krueger, I want to see just more of his character, just to see if he, if he captured the essence of Freddy Krueger. Anybody, you know, can sell you on 15 seconds. You know, I watched the 15-second trailer, and I was like, okay, you know, this could work. But on was saying it's like you're, you're, you're putting out a movie that's not that old. You know, you're kind of reinventing the wheel. So, you know, a lot of people are going to definitely not want to see it because it's not Robert England playing him. But you know, like I said, I want to give it a fair shake, and you know, I mean,
5: I'm not gonna probably drop ten dollars to see it, but I will see it. Right. Okay. That's. I just wanted to see what you had to say, cause you know how we get down with the, you know, meeting of the minds.
1: Absolutely, right. sir. Absolutely.
5: You know, you know, I have to call and support your show. You know, I want to say what's up to everybody out there, and I wasn't taking a shout out you. that shout at you, dude. You know, I just want to forgive my opinion. No, 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 I appreciate
1: it. I appreciate it. And I definitely, you know, I definitely want you to to call in, man, and contribute because you got a lot of uh, a lot of experience in it, in the life game that you can bring to the show.
6: All right.
1: All right, brother. Thanks again.
6: Yes, sir. Later. All right. Peace.
1: All right. Uh, what do we got? We got 23 minutes of show left. Let's get into this week's letter bag because there was way too much material to cover uh, last week. I asked what are three of your favorite horror games and three of your favorite horror movies? Um, me personally, I'll, you know, I, I'd have to say Resident Evil, Eternal Darkness, and, um, I, and and Splatterhouse were my choices. As for horror movies, I can go back and say uh, Zombie by Southie was one of my favorite horror movies. Uh, the original Phantasm and um, the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Just because they were they were, uh, you know, I can switch those out, you know, with other movies. But off the top of my head, those are the three that st- that you know stuck out in my head the most. Um, in terms of people that answered this week, um, we'll start with Wolf. Wolf said uh, his three favorite horror games would have to be Resident Evil One. He said his game at at its time, just had a creepy mood to it and a few jump scares like one of the dolls jumping through the window, which is true. American McGee's Alice. This game put a creepy, haunting twist on Alice in Wonderland and had a pretty good combat system. And Silent Hill 2, the mood in this and the haunting images appear just appeared just fit together, let alone pyramid Head, make this game great. His three horror movies were The Shining. Uh, the movie gave me the chills and Jack Nicholson was extremely good at playing a crazy psychopath. Uh, he also mentioned Jaws and Poltergeist. Um, all, all good choices. I definitely would say Jaws was ahead of his time. Uh, Poltergeist, of course, is just a creepy-ass flick and The Shining. So definitely good choices from Wolf. Uh, Bob, Master of the Psycho Style. Well, Master of the Psycho Style. Sorry, let me correct myself. Uh, he, his picks were uh, for games. He had Resident Evil 2, Super Castlevania 4, and Monster Party for the NES. Uh, For Resident Evil 2, I I definitely want to read his response because the rationale was sound. He said, sometimes it takes a sequel to actually push the idea of the true horror of a situation. In this game, you actually get get to see Raccoon City in the midst of a zombie outbreak, the music scenery, and the fact that it was the only Resident Evil game to have cinematic death scenes. I would always save my game right at the front desk of the RPD just to walk into the room. On the right, with ten or so zombies, with ten or so zombies in it, just to watch Leon or Claire get mauled, dragged to the ground, and devoured. Uh, I don't know how to—if I should consider that uni uh, therapy, or if I can consider that um, a, a good uh, justification for enjoying this game. But definitely props to Bob for that. Uh, Super Castlevania four, by far the best Castlevania game. I have to agree, and it predates the Metroidvania craze that sullied the series. Tough as nails to play, enjoyable for every second, and the soundtrack still has yet to be topped in any of the newer renditions. That's why I actually made that the intro music for the show. And it actually focused on defeating Dracula instead of collecting obscene amounts of bullshit. And his final game was Monster Party for the NES. Nothing scary about the game, just a general Halloween-themed game full of lol and what-the-fuck. In one room, you can be fighting Medusa and a giant spider. Then five minutes later, you're fighting fried shrimp and onion rings, dick and blood. Thanks, Japan. Uh, his movies are his picks were Dawn of the Dead, the original from 1978, the 2003 Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and Revenge of the Killer Tomatoes. Just on that alone, I have to fucking give Bob kudos because that is a fantastic suggestion. That movie's fucking utter fail, but it's a great, uh, Halloween movie to watch just for laughs. Jake put his top three horror games as Resident Evil 1. Uh, He goes, of course, talking about it scaring him when he was younger. Uh, Dead Space, Damn Alien Kids Creep the Hell Out of Me and the Monsters Come Out of the Woodwork doesn't help either. Uh, Silent Hill also. His horror movies were Children of the Corn, the original Friday the 13th, and Nightmare on Elm Street, which is actually... Very very solid choices. Children of the Corn, he put because he lives in Indiana and he lives by a cornfield. Shit had me paranoid as hell for a week. And, uh, oh, well, he was living by a cornfield. Definitely solid choices from Jake this week. Uh, Who do we got? Oh, and Hyena. Hyena comes in uh, with the the tie in the last one. He put Eternal Darkness, great storytelling, and mindfuckery, I have to agree. Fatal Frame 2. It had some great horror mechanics and felt like I was living out of an Asian horror movie. Of all the paranormals out there, I think the ideas surrounding hauntings are more common, which increased my appreciation of the game. Fear, this game had, in my opinion, awesome horror mechanics, the type that make you stop and be wary of your next step. I have to agree, even though I wasn't a fan of the fear game, definitely, you know, the trippy colors, the people popping in and out, definitely some creepy shit. Uh, His top three horror movies, uh, I think this is a title of a movie coming soon. You put the trailers, which I'm going to put up on the site later tonight. Uh, the Sisters, uh, the murder that happened in this movie was a true story. Definitely going to have to put that up. And a movie called APT. Uh, these are his top three horror movies. And I'm actually going to post some of those trailers um, on the website. And that's the uh, letter bag for this week. Uh, based on that, let's see who is our winner. This week's winner of the letter bag is actually going to be Jake. So, Jake, when you get a chance, send in the, uh, the you know, email me your address and which system you'd like your prize for, uh, PS3, 360, or even the Wii for that matter. So, Jake is the winner for this week. Anthony, uh, of course, won a prize already and Ark won a prize and Jake won a prize. So, uh, you guys are... You can respond to questions, of course, but you guys are out of the uh, contest for the next 30 days. You guys will probably be eligible again in the month of November to receive prizes, just to give everybody a fair shake. So again, send in your information, and I'll get out the points for you. Uh, next week's question, um, I'm gonna do. I, I'm gonna try and do a two-pronged approach, just to give people different opportunities to. Answer questions. Um, first off, from the movie standpoint, uh, you know, given how passionate people were about, you know, the casting of Marlon Wayans as Richard Pryor. Um, my, the, the, what I want to ask is, if you had a, uh, you know, favorite comedian, and you know, movies were being made about them, and, and you know, these, the, the, I definitely like to say uh, older comedians. You know, is, who are your favorite I, I'd like to say your top three favorite comedians um, alive or dead right now and the next part of the question is if it's a deceased comedian uh, which one do you think who, which one of them do you think is their life story would translate best into film uh, right off the bat I'd like to say my three favorite comedians right now are uh, Lewis Black uh, the late George Carlin and Right now, I'm kind of I'm, I'm on the Russell Peters bandwagon because he's funny as shit. In terms of uh, which of uh, the deceased comics would translate well into film, I'd definitely like to see a good movie about Carlin or even about Sam Kinison just because Sam Kinison was real vulgar and really ahead of his time. And, or even for that matter, I'd even like to see a little bit about Chris Farley just because you know, his brother looks so much like him. And I, I'd definitely like to see like, where it went wrong. For a guy like Chris Farley. So definitely I'd like to say, you know, what are your three favorite comedians? And you know, from if you have deceased comedians that are your favorites, uh, which one would you like to see translated into film? So again, send those responses to mtrhost at gmail.com. And a secondary question I'm gonna use is for the PSPD. Go. I'm actually going to just do a handheld question. Uh, Which handhelds have you owned? And out of the ones you've owned, which is by far your favorite? Real easy. You know, you can say a DS, you can say the original Game Boy, you can say fucking Neo Geo Pocket, Game Gear, whatever. I definitely want to say that my favorite handheld of all time has to be the original green screen Game Boy. And the reason is because The green screen Game Boy was just a tank. You could drop that shit. You know, it just took a beating. And, you know, you could play Super Mario on it and Tetris, which I played for hours on that obnoxious green screen. So definitely your favorite handheld console. And, you know, of course, why it's your favorite. Uh, Those are the two questions for this week. Just want to give a couple of shout-outs and plugs to wrap things up. A lot of shit got left off the show this week. Um... I want to thank all the callers that called in. Uh, I want to thank, of course, Donnie for calling in. Tumbling with Tumbleweed is his radio show. You can check it out Tuesdays at 10 p.m. on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, he also pops in on DGN Radio once in a while and Cleveland Sports Radio as well, which I get a chance to do those shows also. I want to give props to uh, 411 Mania for providing some of the great news this week, MMA Junkie, Bloody Disgusting. Uh, who else? Oh, I've got to give a shout-out to E10 Clothing uh, for helping to promote the show on Twitter. Definitely check them out at E10Clothing.com. OC Remix, of course, for the intro music that starts off the show every week. Uh, shout-out to Heartless and his clothing line, Eris Clothing. That's A-E-R-E-S Clothing.com. Check it out. He's got some great, great shirts. A uh, particular one is, uh, that I like is the Spreading the Love on Her Face shirt. I would advise people to go and check that out. And, of course, filmdrunk.com, where I get some of the great movie news that I share with you guys. Uh, Filmdrunk.com is uh, very liberal in terms of shitting on movies, so definitely check them out on filmdrunk.com. And, uh, oh, yeah, and fucking, of course, Spike TV. I got to give a thanks to Spike TV for... uh, Giving me a chance to have the guys from the deadliest warrior on, and um, actually, I missed the roundtable discussion. Shit! Oh well, no, I didn't. There's a uh, 12 minutes of show left. I think we're good for that. Uh, of course, if, let me try and get some of the roundtable discussion in. But last but not least, uh, you can follow me on Twitter, twitter.com/akumaakuna25, or you can follow the show, twittercom Radio. Uh, hit us up on Facebook, on the Facebook fan page, and become one of the many My Take Radio minions. We're up to 30 so far. Please tell your friends, your family, your loved ones that are fans of any of the stuff I talk about to have a listen to the show. Who knows? They might like it. Um, of course, you can find me on MySpace, slash rb19ab. And last but not least, of course, visit the show site, mytakeradio.wordpress.com which will soon be becoming MyTakeRadio.com. And, of course, feel free to comment on some of the news that I'm able to post throughout the week. Uh, Of course, the Gina Carano uh, ESPN magazine cover was the most popular article this week, and that's because boobies sell. Let's call it like we see it. And um, slick review of Arkham Asylum, please check it out. Feel free to comment. And just comment on some of the other stuff. The Stone Cold Steve Austin Damage trailer is up. Uh, the Street Fighter 4 trailer is up as well. And uh, we got 10 minutes of show left. Uh, we can get a little roundtable discussion in real quick. Um, uh, the roundtable discussion was going to be the abundance of sex and video games. And do you think that it sells video games or does it detract? 347 3, 3, is the magic number to call in and state your case. Uh, please, if you are going to call in, let's keep it brief. We've got 10 minutes left, and I don't want to get interrupted by the lady. So 3473243541 3541 for the roundtable discussion. And let's bang it out real quick. So please, if you're going to call in, take the opportunity now. And uh, I actually see people talking about it on the chat room. So please, don't debate. Call in so we can get it out of the way. Otherwise, I'm going to try and get some fucking sleep and end the show early. Oh fuck, how can I forget? Um, gotta give a shout out to my buddy Josh who called in earlier. Check out his book, Brandon Sparks and the Hidden Sun. Uh, great kid book. Um, you know, he published it not too long ago and it is on Amazon so punch up Josh Fulb, F-U-L-D and check out his book and that's pretty much it. Unless uh, anybody calls in, I am going to Ah, there he is. Let's see. Yo, you're on the air. Who's this? Hyena. Hey, man, what do you got?
2: Uh, Sex and video games, right?
1: Yes, yeah, the overabundance of sexuality in video games. Do you feel it detracts or adds to a game?
2: Um, I mean, it, it's obvious. Sex always attracts. You know, right,
1: I mean. Does it uh, add I mean, to like, the game?
2: Does so it add to the game? Maybe storyline-wise, uh, interest-wise. You know, I mean, like and, if and you, if you, if, you, if you think I, I kind of see like video games similar to like a movie. You know, why why do some movies toss in that random sex scene? You know, it keeps right. the viewer interested and you know, you know, it keeps things fresh. You know.
1: This is true, but what I um I had made a case earlier, and it's a shame that there's, such little time left, but a game like Tomb Raider you see, you know, Lara Croft, big boobs, small waist just, you know, pleasing to the eye and the game was enjoyable when it came out. Do you think the game would have been any less enjoyable if the character would have been more covered up smaller boobs, just a regular looking girl? Do you think the game would have, you know, do you think that the popularity of the game would have been so high based on that factor?
2: You know what I I I, I mean it, it's it's sad to say, but yeah, it I is. mean I has been think. interesting.
1: You know if if it was ah. just a
2: girl.
1: Or let's look at it like this: a game like Soul Calibur, which when Soul Calibur was originally Soul Edge, the the female characters were a little bit more covered up. Notice the trend that they're wearing less clothing. They got bigger boobs, and you know there's more. Sexuality to the you know character like Ivy in particular, you know yeah. is, is a great example. Do you know do you, do you think that that detracted from the game later on? Because I kind of feel that it did because it's like all right let's make this chick that's ridiculously thin with these ginormous boobs just bouncing around every time you're, you're fighting you know like like it kind of detracted from the game a bit.
2: Pretty young casual gamer yet. There you go. Casual gamer. Uh, I mean like it. I mean, you're taking like a like a fighter genre where you know people play it, you know, because you know it's a fighter. They want to get better at it. They don't play it, you know, because they see bouncy
1: boobs, you know. Right, but that's the problem. You know, the younger the younger generation, you know, it's it, it, it's, it's their Playboy. You know, let's look at this hot, these little hot chicks, virtual pits bounce around. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah. There you go. All right, homie. Thanks for the call. Anytime. Alright, right, we got another caller. You're on the air. Who's this?
2: Uh, this is O'Malley, man.
1: Hey, O'Malley, what's up?
2: Uh, not much, bro. What's going on?
1: What do you got? Second video uh, game. Ads or detract? I,
2: um, I think it just pretty much attracts more gamers and stuff. I mean, take a DOA beach volleyball, for example. So when that dropped, I mean, just nothing but pretty much fanboys and maybe a few fangirls just came out of the woodwork on that one. Just to watch girls just bounce around and shit.
1: Yep. Because that game had zero fucking value. It's like, here are these scantily clad chicks playing volleyball. That could have been any other game. But, you know, the fact that there was tits involved and half-naked girls, you know, and the possibility of modding them to play naked, which I've played, <laughs> you know it, it that was the alluring concept, definitely be I mean, tracks,
2: yeah, I mean it just
1: well,
2: so, I mean that's how it is, I mean with this you were saying earlier, the uh, generation gamers just yeah you know, it's like playboy all fucking over again,
1: yep, because that's what's happening. I think that the the and you know the this is one thing I didn't touch on on the show. I read um a a post that. Playboy is going to have Marge Simpson naked in Playboy.
2: Oh, for fuck's sake.
1: Exactly. But you see, this is what I'm talking about. You're taking something like The Simpsons, that's, you know, an institution of, of comedy, you know, and, oh, yeah, Marge Simpson's naked. Or when Playboy did the other uh, girls of gaming, you know, the gaming characters naked. You know, I think that it detracts the value away from the presentation of the game. It's like, yeah, i not get me wrong. I'm more than sure 12-year-old boys would love to see Lara Croft naked and they look for it on the Internet, but it, it adds no value to the game, you know? that That's the thing, you know? We have a preconceived notion of what the perfect woman looks like, and, you know, I, I think it kind of fucks up girls, too, you know?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, probably like some even can get a damn complex going, you know, my boyfriend doesn't look at me because I don't have the rack of Lara fucking Croft or fucking Kasumi, for fuck's sake. Exactly. I mean, that. I mean that caused all sorts of problems and hell, um I just recently bought Ninja Gaiden Sigma two and I've been playing that and I read on the uh, forum somewhere where you can actually uh, shake the six a- axis.
1: axis deal, yep, and move the boots
2: around. I was like, are you have got to be fucking kidding me?
1: Nope. It's true. Well, we'll see what happens though. But I'm definitely gonna want to continue this Topic of discussion next week. Let me just get the uh, last call in.
2: All right, man. Take it easy, bro. All
1: right, man. Thanks a lot for the call. Peace.
2: Bye.
1: You're on the air. Who's this? Oops.
6: And it's Laura. Archie. Hey, what's up? Not too much. I'll keep this short and brief. Um, sex and video games. There's really two sides to this coin. One, I mean, is it going to add to the game? Probably not, you know. I mean, maybe it'll have a little a bit more of an interesting storyline, you know, depending on how developed the storyline is. But uh, I mean, I don't think it's going to do anything as far as gameplay is concerned. So it's really just there to look pretty. But this just goes into uh, what uh, the other side of the coin. I mean, video games. We've come a long way since the Pong dot. That's right. <laughs> It's it's only gonna this is the natural progression of things. They're gonna try to make things a little bit more realistic, a little bit more this, a little bit more that. Whatever catches the attention, and you know what, sex sells. They're gonna fucking do it.
1: Of course, but you know what it is? It kind of fucks it up because it's like there are certain games that are good that are only made better because there's tits involved. You know, like that's what I was. I mentioned the hyena. You know, you got a game like Tomb Raider. You know, that's good and it's considered good. But is the popularity of the game based on the fact that the chick looks like she's a 10? Or is it based on the fact that it's good gameplay? Like, where do we draw the line between, wow, look at the tits on that chick, and she's not even real? Or, you know, where do we draw the line in the sense of, this game is good, and the heroine could have looked skinny, you know, big-boned, fat, and it wouldn't have made a difference because the gameplay was engaging? I mean, do you agree that...
6: I was gonna say, if memory serves, uh, the um, the um, the layout and everything is uh, what's the word? Just the artwork and the the, uh, the line. I'm, I'm stumbling my words here. Um, the makeup of Laura Croft. She used to be bustier. She used to be this, that, and the other. Yes, it was polygons, but you know she was bigger in the tit area, and they've slimmed that down considerably.
2: Um,
6: okay. Again, they're, I think they're just going in the progression of trying to make things look more realistic. I mean, yes, and Texas is going to sell, blah, blah, blah. It's just going to keep going.
1: <laughs> well, we'll see what happens. I mean, I'm definitely going to want to touch on this next week for sure.
6: Yeah. I'll, I'll think a little right. more to say. Next Absolutely.
1: Week... All right. Thanks for the call. Later.
6: No problem, man. Peace.
1: All right. seems that like the block Talk Radio lady yelled in my ear. And that's gonna conclude my take radio episode fourteen for Thursday, October eighth, two thousand and nine. All right, bitch, stop yelling at me. Anyway, check me out, mytakeradio.wordpress.com, uh, Twitter slash akuma twenty five, Twitter slash mytake radio. That's the end of the show, peeps. Peace.